Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Sims Chat Corner. I seem to have more of a voice today, which is probably a good thing for Jordan. I'm very nervous and very excited, and I'm very sober today, unlike yesterday's interview where we had a little wine. So without further ado, I'm not going to keep Jordan holding because we have a great deal of ground to cover. So uh, give me two seconds, and we'll be on with Jordan Ansel. Hi, Jordan. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly fine, and I'm nervous. I'm just petrified. I'm like, you're such a mogul. I'm so nervous. Oh my I can't God. stand it. <laughs> You've nervous. done, like, everything. I'm like, oh, my God, this dude's coming on my show. He's done, like, 5,000 things, and I don't measure up. So that's how I'm feeling. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a very I'm casual myself. So oh, God, good. trust me. Oh, Give me five minutes, and it's just going to be like you knew me for, like, 20 years. Yesterday was like, if I can do two and a half hours yesterday, we're good. I, I think we're going to be drunk. Wow. fabulous. This is exciting. Awesome. Yes, but we have a lot of ground to cover because you're, like, important, and you've done a lot of stuff. And if I don't cover everything, Dana will yell at me. I'm kidding. She won't yell at me. I love Dana. She's absolutely awesome. Yeah, so you want Dana on your good side Dana. for sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's stay on the Dana side of things here real quickly and just say, hey, Dana Humphrey, because I know you're going to listen to this at some point. Thank you so much for another wonderful – I mean, her guests are all wonderful. And, I, and I'm not just saying yeah, that. Yeah, Dana's mean, literally, awesome. I'm, I'm so happy to be working with her on, on, uh, on our project. Isn't she so lovely? She's great. She's so lovely. She's amazing. And she's yeah. beautiful. She's smart. She's the nicest gal. I finally got to meet her, you know, two times now while I've been in New York, and I'm going to come back again. I can't wait to see her again. She's just fabulous. I, you know, some yeah. smart guy out there in New York, you got to snatch her up because she's adorable. Absolutely adorable. That's, That's right. I, I agree 100%. Exactly. I had the pleasure of meeting Thank her you. in Vegas. Uh, yeah, this past, uh, I think it was July, and she's just really wonderful. Okay. She is. She's absolutely fabulous. I mean, and, and so humble and so sweet. And I'm just like, okay. So I never do a show without first saying, oh, my God, without the publicist, I wouldn't have Jordan. And without Jordan, oh, my God, I wouldn't have material. And I have so much to go on. I'm so excited. <laughs> so we're going to start by we're going we're gonna to do things a little simple first. So before we start turning to the businesses that you have and all the things that you, mm-hmm. that you lend your knowledge to, Let's talk about the fact you have this impending 45th birthday, and I know that the new year was recent, and you just started what, what I would call the Self-Inspired Accountability Project for yourself, and, of course, Project 330. I thought it would be neat if you would just tell the listeners and your fans the what and the why surrounding that journey. What made you want to do this and why? Okay, great. So this is a little bit of, a, of an involved answer. I'll try to keep it as brief as possible because I know you have a lot you want to That's cover. Okay. Um, so oh, God. Yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn 45 uh, on November 30th of this year. And, okay. you know, I, I've been in this, you know, entrepreneurs, we tend to work in this sort of self-contained bubble for a really long time. And so I've been in this bubble of launching this business. And, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm also a career coach and a life coach. Um, yeah. And I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and artists. And, you know, I, and I've seen some really amazing transformation in my clients, both on the professional side and on the artistic side and on the personal side. And, you know, I, I felt like it was really time to challenge myself for a couple of reasons. One, I think, you know, having accountability is the hardest thing for any person to do if they work for themselves and, and often mm-hmm. by themselves if you're an entrepreneur or an artist, what I like to call a solopreneur, right? So, it's really hard to remain accountable when you don't have anyone to, you know, show your results to or, or get feedback from until mm-hmm. you launch something or until you are hired for something or until you create something and it's out there in the world. And you know, I wanted to be an example to all of my clients that we can still remain accountable to ourselves 
and get the results we want in our life and achieve our goals. And the way I decided to do it was launch a blog called Project 330, and I'll explain the title in a moment, where I was going to document on a weekly basis my process of achieving some major life goals. Now, I've already accomplished some things in my life, which I'm really proud of, but I felt it was really Mm -hmm. time to push myself because I'm, I'm sort of cruising along doing my thing. Right, And I think right. at any point when someone feels comfortable, it's time to inject a little energy, a little stimulus to get us to that next level of life. So I thought, well, if I don't have an accountability partner other than my wife and my dog, and you, you never really want your spouse to be your accountability partner because you don't <laughs> want them to be the one nagging you like, oh, when are you going to get up and get your butt to the gym, right? Right. <laughs> so right. I thought – well, I'm going to make my audience my accountability partner. I'm going to blog about it, and if I don't follow through, I'm going to look like, one, a real jerk, and two, like I'm a right. total hypocrite, which I'm not. You know, I, I like to think right. I, I eat my own dog food. You know, my dog would appreciate that. Sure. Um, so, <laughs> you know, in order to remain accountable, I chose the audience, so I thought I'll blog about it. I'll detail my process my thought process and exactly what I'm doing to achieve certain life goals. And I have certain physical goals that I want to achieve. I have certain career goals and financial goals and, and family goals and some personal things, which I'm going to talk about very frankly in the blog. Now, the reason it's called Project okay. 330 was because it started on January 5th. January 5th to November 30th is 330 days. So I have 330 days to achieve my goals and to blog about them. So I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Perfect. Yeah. But actually, I was quite, I was impressed by that. That takes a lot for you because you're you're becoming a personal, or excuse me, a public sort of uh, mentionable, notable sort of figure. So obviously, of course, you're yeah. throwing it all and out there, which scary. I love. <laughs> yeah, oh, tell you. me. It's, a, it's very scary for me because, you know, it's, it's, I'm putting myself out there. So I'm very vulnerable because, you know, I, I'm a human being just like everybody else. I, you know, I have my mm-hmm. fears and insecurities. I have my, you know, body issues and, you know, my, my own neuroses, you know, growing up a nice Jewish boy from New York, right? So, mm-hmm. oh, sure. you, you know, for, for me to put that out there and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. And look, I'm no smarter than anybody else, really. If I can do this, if I can, you know, be accountable to myself and, and, and set goals for myself and achieve them, anybody can do it. So that's the main reason why I want to show people my process, because I want to be able to inspire people to live the lives that they want to live, to achieve the goals that they want. Because, look, if, any, if anybody like me can do it, then certainly someone a lot smarter with more means, with more connections can do whatever they need, you know, so – you're killing me listening to this. It, it, it's someone smarter, <laughs> someone that's. I'm like, is he aware of just how brilliant he is? Are, are you just, are you completely unaware of who you are? I guess I have. I mean, to do you know, I get by all right. I guess. <laughs> I get by all right. Just wait, listeners. Just wait, and then after question ten or eleven, it's going to be like, yeah, I'm the guy. I'm the dude. So first of all, I wanted to bring that project three thirty up for a reason because obviously, okay. you know, I'm very big, and I've seen you on my wall uh, on occasion. So you can see I keep it very real, and I know people tell me, yeah. oh, you're some public figure. You know what? I'm still me. You know, if you hand me a million dollars tomorrow, you have to be true to yourself. And I admire and I advocate anyone who does something like you are doing, which is which is going out on a scary limb for themselves and saying, I'm going to try to do this, start it. I'm really going to go, and I'm going to do it. So kudos to you, and I'll be 100% backing well, on you. that. And I will be on your 
proverbial ass, so to speak, if you if you screw it up. So I'm just <laughs> going to tell you that right off the bat. I appreciate that. So, well, that's why I'm doing this. Not I need problem. people like you to keep me straight. <laughs> hey, trust me. I'll tell you, I got no problem getting people's faces, that's for sure. I got this whole biker community that's taught me how to get in someone's face. So I'm like, this is great. We're good. Awesome. Um, so the next kind of personal thing I want to talk about, because when I first looked at you, I thought to myself, this dude is just really going to be – you know, when you think of, of of an individual who helps to start up businesses and things like that, I don't want to call you nerdy, but I'm going to say, you know what? He looks like he could be a little straight. So I'm like, I'm going to make him talk about things that probably make him go out of his shell, so to speak. So I'm big awesome. on that, just so you know. Great. So I'll probably embarrass you once or twice, but that's okay. So um, I can't forget <laughs> to mention this because I'm all about love on, on my show and in real life. I know that you're newly nuptialed, meaning that you and your lovely lady have made it almost two years, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Almost two years on the marriage That is front? correct. That is correct. Yeah, actually, okay. uh, just over a year and a half. So, yes, closer okay. to two so years. Okay, so the fact that you're mega popular, is that like a problem? Is she kind of like, oh, I'm just Mrs. Ansel here? Do you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes that can happen. You know, I, I, it's not because she's also mega popular. She's the VP of a really? big talent agency, and she does a lot of public okay. speaking. And, you know, so if anything, uh, I think – you, you know, I'm keeping up with her. <laughs> really? You know, she's a real dynamo. Yeah, she's amazing. I mean, I, I'm probably more in the public more just because, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I grew up sort of in the entertainment industry. Um, and, okay. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm used to, you know, embarrassing myself. <laughs> so, no, um, I understand but, exactly you know, I think, what you're talking I think about. Yeah, but she's very supportive, and and you know uh, as I am of her, and and um, it's it's it, if anything, it's it's uh, it's inspiring that to me because if if people think I'm popular, that's only because I'm helping other people, which means okay, so my what I teach people or what I help them with is having an effect on the world, and that is what I really uh, appreciate about you know, quote, popularity. I, I don't think I'm popular, but if you think I'm popular, that's fantastic. I, I love that. Well, hello. <laughs> I wasn't very popular when I was in school, so this is good. <laughs> Let's think. You have Dana Humphrey as a publicist. Um, yeah. All the enterprises I'm going to list that you've initiated, on top of which you're talking to me, and I kind of think that's cool. Anytime I get to talk to a celebrity, yeah, I'm like, oh, cool, cool. I'm excited. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. And by the way, folks, <laughs> his wife is just, Cute as a damn button. Oh, my God. That wife you got is very pretty. Very pretty. Thank and I you. Always admire yeah, I got a good deal. Very pretty, very smart. <laughs> you did. You got a tremendous deal. And you actually compliment each other very well because I have creeped on your page and I've looked at your pictures. And what's so cute is that Jordan has stated on a number of occasions he has this deep love for the date night stuff that you do. And I've seen the different sorts of things. So it, it bugged at yeah. me and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go there and I'm going to ask him. So I have a kind of a hard time picturing Jordan being the Romeo in the situation. So typically, who does the date night stuff? Is that you or the wife or is it a combination of things? It's a combination. You know, I'm actually a very romantic person. I, I always, you know, uh, you know, I grew up, I grew up like loving Shakespeare and all the romantic tragic comedies of, of you know, like uh, Oscar Wilde and things like that as well. So, I, you know, and, and growing up on, on, on romantic comedy movies, you know, I, I'm the girl, you know, like I wanted the big wedding. I mean, she did too, but like I, my whole life, I, plan, I like envisioned like, you know, storybook, you know, fantasy wedding tales. So, you know, every, every, you know, like when we even got engaged, it was a very romantic setting. I planned the whole thing. It was a total surprise. I knocked her off her feet. 
And, you know, our date nights, I think we extend to that too. Now, sometimes date night is just, hey, let's go, you know, see a movie or dinner. But we really like to make time for ourselves. And she's a very romantic person also because, you know, she, uh, she's the warmest person I know. She's, she's given me so much love um, that it's, it's just incredible. Like I've never felt other than, you know, I mean, parental love is different, right? But from a human right. being, I've never felt this kind of love from anybody. So it's it's really changed my life and changed my uh, outlook on on uh, love and marriage. Because I was actually married once before, and, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, after that, I thought I'd never get married again. And then I met Brianna and, like, after like the second date, I was like, Oh my God, I could totally see myself married to this woman. Like it was amazing. Aww. She's just so full of love. And, and it's, what's wonderful is it lets me express how much love I have. So, uh, you know, I think it's a really I'm gonna good cry match. Right now. So the date on the show right now, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'm crying right now. This is like choking me up. It's amazing. Isn't it? It begs to ask me to, to ask you the question and the obvious question, which yeah. I think is obvious. Am I wrong? or inaccurate in my way of thinking in that when you're in a very loving relationship with a very loving partner, which doesn't always happen in Hollywood or in some other fields, because I know you've done acting and other things, et cetera, in some fields or in most fields, especially if you're a public figure, things tend to fail on the love life side of things. So am I wrong in thinking that the more of a loving partner, more supportive and more in love that you are, basically, it just improves everything threefold. Your products, your, your everything is better because of that proponent or that component of love, I should say. Absolutely. I agree a thousand percent, Sin. I mean, you know, without the kind of support that you get from a loving relationship, I think it's very difficult to feel validated, uh, to share your fears with somebody. You know, like we talk honestly, you know, the great thing about being in this relationship, other than the fact of, you know, that we love each other so much is that we really communicate well with each other. And we talk about our fears. We talk about our, our, um, our, our hopes and our dreams. But when, when we're vulnerable with each other, you know, I, I, she's very nurturing. So, you know, if people can find that in their lives and not many people can, I'm very fortunate, um, you know, that I found it, you know, I think it really makes a difference across the spectrum of one's entire life. You know, I, I think you're entirely correct about that. You know, I, I think the problem with, I'm not a relationship expert. I, I only know about my relationship, right? And I know a little ah. bit about people. I've I've studied people, okay. right? But sure. you know, I think I think when people in Hollywood or not even in Hollywood, just in life, you know, things are rocky. They don't, you know, they stray to other people. I, I right. think, you know, we we tend to live our lives in a comparative way. And we tend to have this fantasy idea of what we want, right? Instead of looking at who right. we are the other person is in the moment and what we can offer each other and how good we are together you know is marriage easy no is it difficult no it's what you make it right so (laughs) you know i look i think one of the reasons why i think our marriage works so well is because you know a long time ago when we first met i just decided she was going to be right about everything (laughs) and i'm a lot happier i love that yes dear you know i used to be a yeah i used to be a very um uh, volatile person. I'm a fire sign. I'm a triple sag. So I'm a little crazy. Right. Oh. And, you know, I'm, and, and, you know, I was raised an only child. So, you know, my whole life, I, it was always about me. 
So it was always very difficult. Sure. Like I've never had, I've, I've been in a lot of relationships in my life, but not a lot of serious ones. Right. And I think what the change was, was giving up all the things that I felt I needed to be right about. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters is do you love the person? Do they love you? Do you support each other? And, and are you there to support each other for your entire lives? And, 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 and you communicate in an open and honest way so you both get what you need out of the relationship, which is essential, it, open, honest communication. And that's what she and I have, you know. Um, and we don't, we don't, we barely argue about stuff. I mean, we get into some things like, oh, here's my opinion. I think we need this. Because we really talk about everything. And I think if sure. you have that communication, it, le- it allows room for the love rather than harboring, oh, I, you know, feelings of right. resentment because this person does that or this person does that. Instead of harboring resentment, you say, you know, I don't really like it when this happens. Can we change that? And then there's a communication about it, and then things change, and both people are happier. So, you know, and that's really all about communication, right, which is true of life. If you communicate with anybody in any relationship, business or personal, it's going to absolutely affect everything. You know, the quality of your communication, I think Tony Robbins said it, the quality of your communication uh, represents the quality of your life. So, And I I actually really believe that, yeah. Look at that. My goodness. Now, that would probably explain why I suck at life, because I don't have a partner that's supportive. I don't have a partner. I think that has something to do with it. Oh, that's okay. oh, I'm going to keep doing my show. You, I know. It's so frustrating. <laughs> oh, no, darling. You live in L.A., right? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. I've been to L.A. Yeah, I'm coming back I... to L.A. to visit. They're, they're a creeper there. And you know they're a creeper there, right? I mean, it, I love yeah, some of I my mean, people from the, L.A., but... Yeah, you know, I think I think... The gen, you know, to, if we're going to sort of blanket generalize L.A. mentality, yeah. it's it's typically all about me, my career, what can I do, who's, right. who can help me, right? right? So we don't really put attention right. on the other people in our lives, whereas, you know, I try to live my life putting the attention on other people. So, you know, I think once we become self-obsessed and self-absorbed, because, you know, that's what a lot of people do in this town – it's about their own mm-hmm. ego and what they're getting from a relationship, then, then there's no room for that genuine love or connection because we're always thinking Correct. about what can we get out of the relationship. And I think a better exactly. question to ask in life rather than what can we get out of something is what can we give, right? Correct. Because I agree 100%. If we give more, yeah, so... Yeah, so maybe, you know, I, I still have ties to the East Coast. Maybe I can, or, or you know, I might have some ties in the Midwest. I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the issue. It, no musicians, because they break, the musicians break your heart. And I'm going to tell you, the actors aren't much different, because I'm like, been there, done that, too. So I'm kind of like, yeah, but at least the musicians of, will write a song about you, and then you could be like, oh, I isn't that great? <laughs> I know, right? That wench broke my heart, dot, 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 sort of thing, right? Yeah, I, um, yeah. you know, I, I have a lot of, you know, the, the difficult part I think is is when, and you know this yourself, once you start to get a little more established and people know who you are and they recognize me now from radio or books or otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, it's intimidating for someone. I've been told that a lot. A guy can't walk up to you because you're good looking, you're smart, you know, you have this package. And the people that I know, you know, sometimes people just gravitate to you because, oh, they want to meet this person or this person. It's tough, you know, and, I, and I'm a single mom, yeah. so there's a lot going on, yeah. you know. It's tough, yeah, sure. I, I think. Sure. Definitely. So I'm going to probably turn game It can definitely be tough. Quit. 
Exactly. But, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, you don't want to quit. Uh, well, I, I've thought about quitting about a million times over, but it's kind of like, you know what, it, it, I, I want to believe Your audience out needs there. you. It's the <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah. Like, I have to stop. I, think I can't ever talk people, to Jordan I, or anyone again. <laughs> no, you know, I think what keeps me sane, and I think, you know, what could keep you sane, too, is just make sure that, you you know, we're surrounded by the people who really know us, our real friends, right. our real core group of people who aren't yes people, who aren't, you know, rabid mm. fans, you know, who, you know, and just sort of right. appreciate the fandom, but also appreciate the fact that you have this whole other life outside of the public figure thing, you know, I mean, we, you know, my wife and I, sometimes we just, we just sit at home and, and have our, our date nights here because that's Aww. nice. We, we, we huddle up, we got the, we got the puppy, we snuggle, we watch a movie, you know, we'll order some takeout or whatever, you know, but look, we love going out too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Right. We like going out, but of course it's, Who doesn't? you know, but you know, you surround yourself with, you know, make sure you keep in touch with your friends and, you know, vent to them, you know, because, you know, you, you know, you're probably the type of person that everybody vents to, right? Especially since you have yes. a radio show and you're a personality. Yes. But you've got to be able to yes. take that time and say, okay, my turn. Here's what I, I'm going through. I need a pep talk. You know, look, I coach, yeah. a, a, like, businesses and, and, and individuals. I still need pep talks for my core group of friends because, you know, again, I'm human. I mean, we all go through the same emotional range every day, right? So. Right. Uh, it's no different Definitely. for you or for me or for anybody. So, yeah, we still need that I validation. I got to get better friends. on that. I know, I still, yeah. I totally do, and I know you it's difficult because, you know, there's... <laughs> oh, definitely. Well, you've seen my personal page, and you were kind enough to give me a hug the other day. Yeah. That's one of the benefits of those people I've met, either through shows or, or yeah. some of my closest friends. And it's nice to see the people we reach out to because you've earned that. I just, I need to learn how to open my big trap and say, I'm in a lot of trouble, I need some help, I need someone to listen to me. I'm just bad at that, but I agree. And hopefully, Prince Charming will come before I'm dead because I'm, like, at 45 and not getting any younger, so we'll have to see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's going to happen. I'm glad to hear and you have a great to love life. Too, you know. yeah. Really? Thank it you. is? I, yeah, just not in LA because I'm scared of them people. LA scares me. I'm telling yeah, you, yeah, I can't yeah. hook up with anybody from LA, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It can be scary. Now, you know, uh, tell, you live there. My wife's not okay, from here. Me. She's from Northern California, so, you know. Ding, ding. I, I married a, I married a, I married a, a, a cute surfer girl from Santa Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> How cute is that? Oh my gosh! All right, now I want to yeah. talk about some of your side scenarios because we'll eventually get to your primary, which is what uh, I'm certain a good deal of <laughs> okay. people recognize you for, which is the pimp the pooch or pimp my pooch, I should say. I want to talk a little bit yeah. about um, to those that don't know, killer photography. So killer photography mm-hmm. offers services to, as I understand it, both adults and adolescents. Uh, I cite that you currently are located in five areas, which being the San Francisco, New York City, L.A., Australia, and New Zealand. So um, I also wanted to mention to people, in case they don't know, that you used to have a prior residency in New Zealand. So there's a couple different yeah. questions I want to ask you about this. Um, first off, okay. maybe tell me of how the culture is cre- from a creative standpoint as it relates to New Zealand, because oftentimes people don't go to New Zealand, they don't know much about it, Talk to me a little bit about the differences between what you see there and what you see here and uh, how you got prompted to start an actual photography business there in New Zealand. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> so back in 2009, I woke up one morning needing a break from L.A. And, okay. you know, uh, and I had just gotten separated from my first wife. And I'm like, you know, I don't need to be in L.A. for a little while. I need to just, you know, take some personal time. I literally looked at the okay. map and said, where's the farthest I could go that's warm in December? 
So, you know, I had all these air miles, so I'm like, oh, New Zealand looks good. So I literally just booked okay. the ticket, the one-way ticket to New Zealand. <gasps> and um, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I did very little research because I kind of wanted it to be um, – I wanted the universe to unfold, right, and, and sort of present itself to me. So I literally did okay. not have any plans beyond my first night there. And um, okay. at the time, I was still doing photography full-time. Uh, I don't really do much photography now except for just personal projects. Um, and, you know, I was doing headshots and editorial and uh, some lifestyle photography. I'd shot for some magazines here in L.A. and uh, some stills on film and TV shows. Uh, but I said, you know what, I, I'm going to just rent out my place. I'm going to just go to New Zealand and see what happens. I've never been to New Zealand. I've been fascinated with it. And thinking it's mm-hmm. the farthest place away that's warm, it'll be great. Okay. So here's a little note. It's not very warm. <laughs> don't go there you you're going to be cold, right? Right. Okay. Right. So basically, I, I basically sold everything I owned except for my my place and uh, rented it out. I took with me my laptop, a, a camera, a nice suit, and some jeans and some t-shirts. And I showed up in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And after backpacking a little while and having a long distance relationship with Brianna because we had just met before I left. Um, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it was, it was, we thank God for Skype. Um, you know, I, I, I explored the country. I met some great people. And at a certain point I thought, well, you know, I'm getting rent for my place, but it's really not enough. So I need to maybe work a little bit and I'm a photographer. I can work mm-hmm. anywhere in the world. So I had met some okay. people. They introduced me to, uh, you know, New Zealand is a very small country and everybody literally knows somebody who knows somebody. So I met this person who was a writer, and she was kind enough to introduce me to the um, a marketing person at TVNZ, which is the okay. main network in New Zealand. And it was a phone interview, and she says, oh, you're a photographer. I saw your site. You're in Hollywood. Yes, can you shoot uh, some advertisements for our new news programs? And I'm like, uh, so do we need to meet? Because, you know, here in L.A., to get work as a photographer, you really have to hustle. And, and, and I mean, it's a full-time job just trying to get the work and, you know, right. like it is in any artistic endeavor, um, you, you know, so I was really surprised that they just kind of looked at my website and hired me off the website and what really? the culture is there. It's a culture of, um, of warmth and generosity and, uh, y- you know, here in LA or in New York or even in San Francisco, I would have to really like, like do tons of outreach and, you know, work my connections to book gigs because I didn't have a photography agent uh, at the time. And um, in New Zealand, I, you know, I shot this thing for TVNZ, which was a billboard campaign for their news anchors for their new news program Mm -hmm. uh, because they were rebranding it. And a couple of days later, I got a call from a magazine in New Zealand, um, New Idea. They said, oh, Andy Brotherston from TVNZ just uh, referred you as an awesome photographer. We have this mm-hmm. cover story we're doing. Can you shoot it? Like, that would never mm-hmm. happen in the States, you know? Just a cold call, right. you know, by someone taking the initiative that you've just worked for to recommend you. For, like, like right. So I worked like crazy in New Zealand. So, it, you know, I was planning on traveling a lot, you know, uh, backpacking a little bit through Asia and whatever, but I ended up living in New Zealand because I was just working so much just off of referrals. Sure. 
And uh, so it was really an incredible experience. And I still have a lot of really close friends in New Zealand. People have come and nice. visited here in the States and stayed with us. Yeah, so it's really, it's really, really great. And um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how the New Zealand experience was of, you know, and, and, and and the reason I decided to come back was because, you know, I, I, we, Brianna and I had this long distance relationship and she'd come to New Zealand. And then we also, you know, met in in Fiji for her uh, birthday, one of her birthdays. I had a lot of air miles, so I was able to fly her uh, out Um, and, um, yeah, so uh, I decided to come back because she was nominated for uh, Top Agent of the Year. And I thought, my first thought was, oh, I would love to be there for that. So then when I thought that, I'm like, oh, well, then I should just go home and be with Brianna. So that's right. what made me come back. So, um, uh, yeah, crime, and then, and then when I came Jordan. back, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when I came back, I was still, you know, doing some photography. But, you know, I, okay. I it wasn't really one that I wanted to do full time anymore. And I had worked in startups and I'd worked in advertising and I had, you know, been sure. a business consultant helping other businesses. So I thought, you know, I'm going to I think it's time to start a, another business. And, uh, you know, um, and so I, I did. <laughs> Now, i got a tricky question for you because I've often wondered this because, of course, I'm terrible at having my picture taken. I hate it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But the one thing that I've always been intrigued about when I get the pictures back, I ask myself, how does a proficient portrait taker learn to capture that one right moment where you get both the poise and the pose perfectly? Right. So in all the photography I've ever done, aside from still photography on movie sets and and TV shows, Mm -hmm. because they have directors, right? They're directing the action. You know, I I think any good photographer has to be a really good director, a director of people. If you're just telling people to pose and tilt your head this way or do this thing, you know, it's, you're not going to get anything genuine. I really try to direct people as if I were directing them in a movie or a TV show, you know, cause I've directed mm-hmm. theater, I've directed, you know, music video, I've directed other right. things, I've directed, you know, other stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, I was an actor for a period of time and I've produced some things. So, you know, I, I think, you know, applying all of those skills of working with people and having run businesses and been in business, you know, and being able to communicate needs to people, I think, you know, translating that into directing, a subject like a model or an actor or even just a real estate. I used to shoot real estate agents and get really great things from them, you know, and they're not actors. They don't, they don't know what to bring to a shoot in terms of mentality or, or attitude. Right. But again, it's that communication skill of being able to direct somebody in a, in a supportive way to get what you want while you're just snapping the photos. Right. I tend to overshoot because, you know, I'm trying to capture those in between moments of what I and directing and their thought process when you can capture their thought process on camera when they come to that epiphany and are are just about to do what you're asking that's where that magic is right so yep. i think you, you know uh, you uh, developing oh, your director skills no I'm, it's okay sorry so develop you know any photographer who's starting out i would say de- develop your directing skills you know, in addition to your photography, you know, technical photography skills, you want to develop your people skills and location skills so you can get what you need from people and and then capture those moments. And then it makes the subject feel really inspired and having fun and good. And, you know, like, you know, a lot of the outtakes from my photo sessions are the models laughing or the actors having a good time because, right. you know, I joke with them. I, I ask them embarrassing personal questions, you know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> moments, really? You know? <laughs> 
Look yeah. at that. The guy that says, oh, it's all about that communication, and he starts this interview, um, I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm like, okay, apparently you don't have any communication problems, as I can see here. You're flowing along just fine. Thank you very much. Um, curious to ask this, because I, I'm a huge fan of this, and I get told often that the pictures that I take best in are the black and white photos. Um, is that just something that most photographers don't tend to do? Because I don't see a lot of black and white, unless I'm just living under a rock. It just seems as though photographers kind of shy away from the whole black and white element. Am I mistaken in this? or? Um, no, I think most, I think, I think most people shoot color photography, um, you know, just because, well, one, you know, most people are shooting digital now, so they don't convert their photos to black and white. You know, I mean, I love, if I, if I'm shooting digital, I always choose my favorite photos that I think would look good in black and white. Um, you know, to me, it depends on the mood of the photo, on the expression of the the person's face. You know, on the lighting, does it look better in black and white? Is it more dramatic? Is it, is there more feeling associated with black and white than there is with color? I, I don't know. I, I think it's a personal preference. And I think that, you know, having I've, – I've been a professional photographer since I was 17. I got paid for my first gig when I was 17. And, you know, I grew up shooting film, right, and mostly mm-hmm. black and white because it was cheaper. Um, so, you know, back in the 80s and, you know, early 90s before digital really came – you know, smaller companies or, you know, individuals who needed photography would shoot black and white for even advertisements because it was cheaper, right? And this is like local ads and stuff like that. You know, I'm not talking about major corporations here. I'm talking about like local businesses and things like that, you know. Um, But then, you know, when, you know, and all actors' headshots were black and white for sure. So when I was in New York, I uh, I actually started shooting color headshots for people when I was supporting myself as a headshot mm. photographer and then came out to L.A. Mm-hmm. to shoot color. And people thought I was nuts because I was still shooting on film because that was before <laughs> digital. And I think, you know, just digital photography, you know, and now everybody takes pictures with their phone. They're all color. Yeah, you know, people use filters mm-hmm. on apps and things like that. But I think I think people just don't think about black and white anymore as, a, as an expressive medium. And, and I love it. You know, wow. my favorite camera is still a medium format camera that shoots 12 images per roll, you know, and every function on it is manual. And it's the kind where you kind of look down and everything is backwards and upside down. That's still my favorite camera. It's in the Mia. Um, but you know, no, nobody's going to want to hire anybody to shoot film because it's very expensive these days and they want to see it downloaded to the laptop immediately and color corrected and then online right. in like 20 minutes. Right. So it's, you know, <laughs> so I think, and let's digital, get real. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The digital, I was just going to say now I'm asking this as a photographer question, because of course, you know, you got Megan Trainer running around singing about, it's all about that bass and the bigger girls and all this good stuff. So, you know, yeah. my other question to you regarding this is this, in the age of today's technology, you could really take my fat butt and make me look thin, couldn't you? You could literally just squeeze <laughs> out all that little fat, right? And be like, Oh, look at you. You're hotty, right? You, you know, <laughs> well, first of all, I doubt you have any of that. Uh, and oh my second God. of all, look, if there's a, so I think it was on HuffPost today, you know, Justin Bieber just did a Calvin Klein shoot yes. for underwear yes. and they totally photoshopped him. So he looks bigger than his muscles look bigger than he actually is. So it's not just the I women know. that now, right. I mean, we hear about women being photoshopped to, you know, quote perfection, but everybody, it's happening to everybody. And, and I don't, I'm not an advocate of that at all. In fact, oh man, it was like a couple of weeks ago someone found my photography site and I got this voicemail and I was actually just about to go into a, a show to see my friend perform 
uh, in a theater uh, um, gig. And the voicemail was from this guy. He wanted some pictures done. I don't really shoot a whole lot anymore, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, if somebody calls me, I'm going to call them back and see what they need. Cause you know, if I can do it, I will, if I don't, I'll refer them. And, and the guy's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to get into people's people magazine. I just lost, you know, like half my weight. Uh, but you know, I still want to lose a little more, but I have to send these photos in. Can you Photoshop me to look smaller? And I said, Oh my that God. Would be lying no i can't do that i i'm happy to take your picture but i'm not going to photoshop you He's like okay thank you right. very much so you know i think you know, because you know we can see that you know we can look perfect in photos you know uh that even you know i look i, I and I'm, I'm guilty of it too i've taken out lines in my face in some photos or some facebook profile pictures you know but um but uh you know i think now that we have this technology photography let me let me just go say this. What inspired me to be a photographer was not just the love of capturing a moment. It was the love of being a historian, right? Because when you take a picture, okay. you're capturing a moment in time and history, whatever kind of right. picture it is. You know, that nature shot is going to be different in 20 minutes. That street shot, that journalism, whatever it is, it, you know, the world is in a constant state of flux. So capturing a moment you know, and having that picture represent something and people impose their own meaning on it, you know, I thought was just a beautiful expression of art. But now what is happening is photography is no longer truthful because of Photoshop, because of Lightroom, because of all these other photography manipulation techniques that we're utilizing. And I'm not an advocate of that for models because I think it sends a really poor message to people that, you know, this is what a handful of people think perfection is, and we are going to show the world this in all media and advertise that this is what perfection is when it's really not. Like I re So that song, All About the Bass, I really love it. You know, I, I think the message is obviously, you know, pretty on the nose. And, right. you know, I, I agree 100%. I mean... I think the natural beauty of someone is what excited me about photography in the first place. So why would I want to sure. manipulate that later? Of course. You know, now, sure, you know, if you're doing actors' headshots, they have to, like, you know, take out blemishes and things like that. But I'm not going to make anybody look thinner or, you know, bigger busted or have bigger biceps. Like, that's yeah. just ridiculous to me. It's like, if we can't appreciate people for who they are, then, you know, that's a societal problem, and it's only yeah. exacerbated by, you know, magazines and, you know, digital manipulation, even in film, you know. I think, what was it? I think, you know, years ago, Lindsay Lohan was in, like, that Disney movie where they actually digitally reduced her breast size. Oh so God. now we're saying that big breasts are, are terrible if they're naturally occurring. And it's like... You can't win either way, <laughs> right? You're not good enough no matter what. Ew. You know, right? too skinny or too well-endowed or, you know, there's got there's, like, who's deciding exactly. this? Like, <laughs> I know, right? It's like them. It's the they's of the world. They decided this, and it just cracks me. It just, it cracks me up, and I'm totally yeah. on board with you as far as that goes. Be real or don't be anything. Simple as that. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we're growing up, when we're really <laughs> impressionable, you know, sure, you know, kids can be mean and teased and bullied, right? And But when it's, a, you know, if we're not taught at a young age to love who we are and to 
um, you know, to, to love how we look, you know, and we're going to always live our lives in a comparative way to other people, but everybody is different. Look, there's the simple fact that people's genetic makeup is going to make them look more muscular or more stocky. And that's not, you know, there's, you know, three different body types genetically, mesomorphic, uh, uh, um, ectomorphic, and I forget what the other one is. Uh, it's just, but you know, that, that's genetics, right? So like genetically, right. I, you know, I'm not going to be a tall, lanky, six foot two, you know, wiry <laughs> person, you know, I'm not, right. you know, I got, but I love who I am and I work with what I got. And, I, you know, do I want to improve my looks by working out? Sure. But that's just because I want to live longer, you know, and if it right. makes me look better, great. You know, <laughs> you do. Okay, so. Jordan, you're all right. I'd tell you if you were ugly, so you're doing just fine. I'm kind of blunt that way. I'd be like, dude, you need to like change. Look, I've but had I my nose broken a couple of times, you know, like I've got a funky nose, <gasps> oh. you know, like, oh. <laughs> so, you know, my perfect, of course not, but nobody is, but you know, do I like my nose? Yeah. Most days, you know, on the right camera angle. Sure. You know, <laughs> am I going to get a nose because no, this is who I, I am. was going to say, did you just say you're not perfect? Because you just shot it. Like, <laughs> I was walking into this interview two hours ago saying, dude's perfect, and you're wrecking it for me. You're telling me all your frailties. <laughs> I know. I'm you're totally supposed to be focusing on all the good. tuning out now, right? Yeah, I know. They're like, <laughs> who wants to talk to Debbie Downer here, right? Now, the one right. other thing I wanted to mention, <laughs> that's okay, photography-wise, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Um, some may not know that you were actually given the privilege to photograph William Shatner for his Lifetime Achievement Award. So I just thought it'd be kind of neat. Um, what was that experience like? Because most of us don't get a chance to meet somebody that legendary. So how did all of that go? Yeah, you know, uh, he was absolutely amazing. Uh, I photographed him a few years ago, actually, for his Lifetime. For, can, can, he's Canadian. I don't know. If, uh, some people probably don't know that. Some people do. I didn't know If that. you're a big William Shatner okay. fan, you're probably, yeah. So, in fact, okay. I don't think most people know that, but he's Canadian. And so Canada was pre- presenting him with a Lifetime Achievement Award. And um, I had met this director who was shooting this sort of funny bit for the award ceremony here in L.A. Because, you know, he lives here mm-hmm. part time, at least. And, um, you know, uh, I said to the director, you know, I don't know if you need a photographer to shoot this thing. And he's like, I do. And he's like, well, but we don't have it in the budget. I said, you know what? I'm going to offer my services for free because I want to shoot William Shatner. And, right. you know, look, that was an experience and an opportunity that few people get. I wanted to jump at it. So I, you know, they invited me down to the set to photograph William Shatner. He was the most gracious, funny guy. And, and you know, at seven in the morning, he walks in with full of energy and happy to be there and patting people on the back mm. and, you know, shook my hand and he said, so you're going to make me look good, right? And I said, you already look good. And he says, I like you already. Oh, look at <laughs> that. Were, That's it, cool. He said, if it were time for – and he's like, you know, if it were time for a scotch, I'd have one with you. And I'm like, okay, well, 7 in the morning, probably not time for one. But uh, <laughs> but he was really a, a really gracious, funny cool. man. And it, I, I'm so grateful for that experience. And I've shot a few really incredible people. I've shot uh, Gore Vidal in his home here in L.A. He was also another okay. incredible person. Um you know, uh, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate to shoot some, you know, pretty big icons in, in the world. I've shot Carrie Fisher um, and, cool. uh, you know, also, yeah, she's also incredible, like just a lovely, generous, wonderful human being. And, you know, I think a lot of people would look at 
celebrities and think, oh, you know, they've got to, you've got to be crazy or, you know, super self-absorbed to be famous. And in some cases that's true, but I've been fortunate that everybody I've ever met or worked with personally has been really lovely. Does that mean so, that you've worked yeah. or have you ever photographed? I have a celebrity crush and um, I'm doing oh, a yeah. film about it actually, but I keep hoping that mm-hmm. I'll meet someone who'll come on my show and say, I know him, but you may not know him. He's <laughs> a Canadian it? too. Um, Kiefer Sutherland. You haven't shot him. Oh, yet. you know, I have not. I'm a big Kiefer Sutherland fan too. I, oh. uh, I, I would love to meet him. I, I'm sure I've heard he's a wonderful human being, so I, I would like to meet him. Yeah. I think he's probably well. pretty cool. He's I mean, pretty he's a total badass. I'm not gonna on TV, lie. But, uh, and he's a total badass in real life. The man's getting arrested and jumping into Christmas trees and taking his pants down. So yeah. he's really kind of uh, he's he's kind of all over the map. And and um, watch my wall because I am gonna do the film. I, I'm literally <laughs> it's a very cute film. It literally is cool. me chasing Kiefer Sutherland. That's the whole premise of this whole oh thing. My I'm God. literally chasing That's him hilarious. for an interview and a dinner date, and it's and it is hilarious. Um, and I have a connection um, who is partnered. I was supposed to meet him twice now. And I and if my son oh, wow. hadn't been ill, I would have gone to New York. I would have met him. I would have been standing in front of him. So it's frustrating. You know, he's you know he's very guarded. Those people keep him under very big lock and key. So this is going to be yeah. a big challenge. Um, but then when I get yeah. him on my show, I'll just bring you back, and then we'll hook up, and then you could do photography. Awesome. And life will be <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? great. Exactly. We're making yeah. magic. Yay. Okay. Let's <laughs> talk about. I know, right? See, you're not even nervous anymore, are you? And it didn't even require booze. Like yesterday, I had booze on the show. See, and I don't do that often. But today, I did it straight. Look at how good we're doing. Yay! Look at that. Um, Yeah, awesome. Exactly. Now, Sin, I have to say, I always cherish my ability to be able to announce authors to the world. And so if you may be unaware of the fact that in 2013, I know you authored the book called Behind the Lines, What It Really Takes to Make It as an Actor. So one of the first Mm -hmm. things I thought about when I found out about that was, hey, is this guy competent and, and suitable and sufficient to cover this subject? Did you feel that you were capable of that? Because I know, you know, sometimes people are like, yeah, I, I'm a versed person in this. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And I'm not trying to be insulting. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, not but at all. Us. Not at all. So what yeah, made you so, feel competent you know, what, to do this? Well, what made me feel competent to do it was I, when I was, uh, when I first moved to LA, I was actually, uh, and I came out here for acting and I, I had a very successful theater company, off Broadway theater company in New York that I had founded, uh, for a couple of years called the, called the Greenwich house theater, uh, which, which included like Sylvia Mile, the late Kim Hunter, who won the Academy award for streetcar named desire. Right. Uh, she, right. So, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, so again, I've always been an entrepreneur. I, you know, I went and started my own theater company as an actor, right? So I, I moved out here, uh, you know, and I actually became a very successful commercial actor. Uh, but, you know, I mm-hmm. went through the trials and tribulations of every actor, you know, pounding the pavement, being broke. And, you know, um, and, you know, I, I had some parts in some small films and, you know, I've been cut out of pretty right. much everything. My mentor was Mike Nichols. Like Mike Nichols and I were very close <gasps> for a period of time. Oh, he put me in a couple him. of movies. Like I was very sad when he passed away. In fact, I wrote an article right. for Cultural Weekly magazine, you know, um, about just a personal experience uh, with Mike Nichols. And, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate that I had master trainers, you know, for my acting and directing career. And, um, you know, so I felt qualified having been through the process. But because I wasn't a famous actor, I thought, well, I'm still qualified having had the experience. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to interview experts like major casting directors, agents, and managers, because I think actors need the perspective, not from another actor, but from the people who hire actors. 
so I felt qualified to interview people for sure. Um, you know, I may not have been qualified as a famous actor to tell people how to make it, but certainly casting mm-hmm. directors, managers, agents, uh, directors, and producers are qualified enough. So I, I really, you know, talk a little bit about my experience as an actor in the book for the first couple of chapters, but then it's just interviews with, you know, top casting directors, agents, and managers, uh, and uh, uh, a writer-director named Allison Burnett, who now has this amazing film uh, um, called Ask Me Anything, based on one of his novels, which he directed. And um, it's gotten really incredible reviews. And he's a, he's a personal friend of mine. I've known him for, okay. gosh, like over 20 years. And, you know, so, you know, if, if actors want to know what it takes, listen to what the professionals are telling you. So I just aggregated... Sure all of these interviews into a book to give actors useful information. But also because I'd been in business for so long as an entrepreneur, basically my whole life through all the careers I've had as an actor, I was an entrepreneur because I started my own theater company as a photographer. I was an entrepreneur because I started my own photography business and I, you know, have shot, you know, on a couple of different continents. And then I became a really big print casting director as well. I I was one of the top print casting directors in Los Angeles casting actors and okay. models in print campaigns for, for advertising. Um, and then I went into advertising or then I went into startups uh, and then I went into advertising. So I had all this business experience. And what I realized was what makes me qualified to write this book isn't just the fact that I had been an actor with some success. I know a ton of people in the industry who are people who hire actors that can tell actors what to do, but I have business skills and the industry is a business. So if you look at any business, you can apply the same sets of business skills to it, whether you own a restaurant, an online business, or are an actor or a dancer or a photographer. The same set of business skills are required in any business. So I was qualified to teach the business stuff. So I do a lot of public speaking, and I, tr- and I teach a lot of business skills to actors you know, and acting workshops invite me to do a business night with them. In fact, one of the top uh, acting groups, uh, Actors Green Room, which is based in New York, they just opened an L.A. Uh, business uh, literally last month. So now they're a bi-coastal mm-hmm. business. They have, like, top casting directors come in and train actors. They have me come in and do business nights with the actors. And I teach them about marketing and newsletters and social media and, you know, how to engage people on social media and how to actually run your career like a business because, you know, and, and that's what people re- – and that's what all these professionals say in the book too. So what I'm teaching these people are, is just validated by casting directors, managers, and agents. You've got to run it like a business. Right. And, sure. you know, throughout my t- almost 20 years here in L.A., as a photographer, as an actor, as a business person, I'm always meeting people who have, you know, look – when we go to acting school or, or any kind of artistic school, like whether we're an, uh, a, you know, a painter or a dancer or a singer, nobody teaches us business skills. They teach us how to be an artist, right? Which is great. We need to hone our craft as an mm-hmm. artist. But then yeah. what happens when we're thrown out into the world? Well, we have to learn how to market ourselves. We have to learn how to engage people in a professional way. We need to learn how to do research so we can find those casting directors we want to align ourselves with or agents or managers, right? So there's a certain amount of business skill that's needed to navigate the industry. Because listen to this. It's called show business, meaning <laughs> it's a business. There's a lot of yes. – and, and it literally is a business. Look, on a set, 
Yes, there are actors. Great. But there's also construction. There's also electrical. There's also camera department. There's directors. And above those people are the producers and the executives at the network or the studio. And then the president of the studio or the network, right? So there's all of these people. And then there's the actor. You know, there's the writer first, right? You know, the writer is the first person, right? Because without the writer, unless it's reality, right? But even those are scripted. So, um, you know, it's this whole industry of moving parts that has, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people on a project. And the actor is one part of it. So in order to navigate the rest of that business, you have to know business skills to deal with all those moving parts. And, you know, if, I've met people who have been attorneys for their, you know, entire professional career and have quit in their 30s and 40s to pursue acting or people in real estate who pursue acting. And they get so much further, so much faster because they understand business. You know, sure, they need to work on their craft. They're not the greatest actors, but they're doing that. They're in the classes. They're in the workshops. Right. But because they have right. a business background – they don't take rejection so much, right? Because in business, you know, something works out great. Something doesn't work out. What we say is this one catchphrase. Okay, next. But, you know, as an artist, we think that if something doesn't work out, we're rejected. They don't love us. We're not good looking enough. We're not tall enough. We're not short enough. We're not whatever. They don't like my art. They don't like my voice. They don't like my, you know. Sure. But that has nothing to do with any of it, right? It's all a business decision. Right. It's all a business decision, you know. And, and That's a and, point in point. Yeah, so, you know, that's why I wrote the book, was because I wanted to empower actors to approach their careers as a business and to learn business skills that will get them further faster. You know, one big thing that we didn't have when I was an actor, you know, many years ago, was social media and YouTube and and Hulu and Facebook and, you know, and Funny or Die and Netflix and Twitter and, you know, uh, uh, Vimeo. And now there's so much content being created that you can actually create opportunities for yourself, you know, if not just to have a reel to show people. So, you know, some of the clients that I coach, you know, when they start coaching with me, because I coach actors too, you know, they say, oh, I just want to get an agent. I just want to get, you know, but they've got no credits, right? So it's going to be very hard. Or I just want to be on a TV show. I just want to guest star. Okay, well, you got to go out and you got to make something. You got to be in something because you, you have nothing. You've got nothing to show. So, how is somebody going to market you if you've got nothing to market? And then the actor will say, Well, I'm not a writer. And then I say, Okay, are you in a class? Yeah. Can you tap somebody mm-hmm. on the shoulder and go, Do you write? And now you can start collaborating mm-hmm. with people because you don't have to be the writer. You can be the actor, but you also need to be a bit of the producer right. by putting all the people together to produce something. And look, you put it online if it's good and you show people. And look, maybe you decide to do it as a web series or maybe whatever, right? Who knows? But at least you have something to show people so they can see what you look like, so they can see if you're mm-hmm. funny or serious or whatever. And then, you know, if somebody's willing to take a chance on somebody, like if an agent or a manager is willing to take a chance on somebody or a casting director, they're going to take a chance on somebody that they can show a video of over someone that they can't because how are they going to pitch somebody to a network if they've got no video on them? Right? Of course. Makes so, mm-hmm. you know, so just one, you know, and so in a sense, every artist, every actor is an entrepreneur, really. 
when you think about it, they've got to run their career like a business as a solopreneur. So what do you have to do? Mm-hmm. You have to create stuff. You have to have a product. You're a product. You're a brand. So what do you need to do for that? You need to do material that shows us what your brand is. And then you need to be able to market your brands to the people who can hire you, right? So, and plus, once you're being productive and proactive and creating your own and collaborating with people, you, you're going to feel much more empowered. You know, little does the actor work who sits around waiting for the phone to ring. If you're out there creating, if you're in a, if, first of all, you always have to be in class if you're an actor. You know, unless you're shooting something, right? But if you're not, be in class, be in a workshop, be in something, because you're going to meet other people who are doing things. And then you can collaborate. You know, sometimes your first gig isn't going to come from maybe you're going to get an agent who can maybe get you an audition, who can maybe then, you know, maybe then you'll book it. It's going to come from your, your, your networking, your relationships, with your friends who are in class with you, because maybe they book something and then they go, oh, you know, um, Cindy would be great for this role. You know, yeah. and now you're, you've got one line on something, right? Because that's how right. it works too. It's all about relationships. But, you know, actors don't know how to navigate relationships either because everybody knows you want something from them if you're a casting director or an agent or a manager or a director or a producer. So the last thing you want to talk about is that you're an actor. So when I teach people how to engage on social media – it's you listen to the conversation of what these people are talking about and you contribute something of positive value. For instance, my friend, Jamie, uh, who's a big casting director, uh, one of the biggest, actually, she, um, right. I, don't, I won't give you her last name, but uh, she, cause I don't know if she'd want that out there, but she's really That's fine. a dog fanatic. She's a dog okay. fanatic. Like she loves dogs. She's, you know, big into dog rescue. Right. So if you're an actor and you want to meet Jamie, but you follow her on, on social media right. and she's talking about things. You listen to the conversation. And if you are genuinely interested in the same things as this person, like you are genuinely interested in dog rescue and dogs and certain breeds, and you find an mm-hmm. article on Huffington Post or BarkBox or whatever, you say, hey, Jamie, hey, at Jamie, here's an interesting article on dogs I thought you might like because this charity is doing great things. And now you've contributed positive emotional value to somebody and they're going to remember that. And at the very least, the people who follow Jamie are going to see that you tweeted that and they're going to start following you. So now you've just grown your audience. Oh, right. (laughs) And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Isn't that funny? Exactly. It is amazing (laughs) to me. I tell you. I, I do. I tell yeah, you. I think, yeah. And, you know, that's what I try to teach actors because actors, you know, we want to talk about our accomplishments and that's great, but we don't want to talk about them all the time. We want to be able to talk about other things because we want, you know, I, I don't know, you know, there's these things that go around like the 15 most annoying Facebook posts. And, you know, one of them is like the person who always like is posting selfies or s- status updates about them, 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 them. Well, I don't know. You know, I've got friends like that online too. And at a certain point, I stop looking at that stuff. But if they post an interesting article or a funny something that I'm interested in, you know, meme or whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll be more apt to look at their profile because I don't want to, you know, and people don't want to hear about me all the time either. So I share stuff about, you know, life and politics and, you know, grumpy cat. Right. And like, <laughs> you know, and, so, and, and I'll talk about like, hey, I'm going to be on this great, you know, radio program today uh, with in the chat corner, you know, but that's just one right. of many posts. And, you know, people are going to appreciate that because if you just talk about yourself all the time, nobody's going to be interested, right? So I got to teach oh, actors no, that engage, engaging people in social media 
isn't using social media as a megaphone. It's using it as a listening device and then communicating something back that's of value. Right. Correct. So, I would agree, definitely. And that's just I one of the that. things that I try to teach. Yeah. So, so uh, anyway, that's a big, long thing from your question about the book. Sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> but you know what? That I'm gives people a sense of exactly. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with that because I'm a gabber, too, so we work along very well. And you actually must yeah. have been psychic because you kind of took the, the words out of my mouth, um, of course, uh, as it relates to Greenwich Greenwich House Theater Company, because I know that you were a founding member of that. So I wanted to ask a question in reference to that. Just two things. First of all, um, are you still a principal force in the theater? And then second of all, uh, I'm gathering, and you might have said this already, that some of the experiences from that endeavor were notated in that publication, meaning obviously behind the lines. So just two questions there. Right. So um, the theater company uh, that I – the Greenwich House Theater Company – is no longer in existence. So I moved out to LA oh, no. in 90, March 1st of 95. The theater went on for about another, I want to say nine months to a year. Okay. Uh, and I was really no longer involved because I, I made my life here in LA. Ah, and, and then gotcha. after that, it closed, it closed down. Now there is another theater company at the Greenwich house in on Barrow like and seventh, but that's not the same thing. Um, you know, I, uh, I founded that company with Mike Minetta, uh, who was, um, who we went to acting school together and he was also a Vietnam vet and he, he danced with the Joffrey. So he was an amazing guy. Um, but he was, and then the Nat scholar who was another friend from acting school, he was a a founding member of that company as well. Um, and, um, you know, but I, I left New York. uh, So that company, uh, you know, went on for a little while. We only did original material. Um, and, uh, the artistic director, Joe is pretty great about finding stuff and, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was sad when it, 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 it you know, but everybody went their own way, you know, it's fine. Yeah. And, uh, to take it one step further, of course, I know that you had carried two different caps, meaning both writer and producer of a short film that was entitled 875. So oh, yeah. a couple questions. Now, if I were to ask you, if you maintain a partiality, one of the following, which would it be acting, producing or writing? Ooh, that's tough. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really tough. I love all of it for different reasons. Okay. Um, you know, I really like problem solving. So I think producing is, I think I'm, I think I'm a much better producer, you know, especially being that, you know, I, you know, have been producing things, you know, in different forms all my life, you know, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. producing a theater company or producing a photography company or producing Pimp My Pooch or producing, you know, all these other businesses I consult or a book. I think that's all related sure. to producing, right? So I think probably producing mm-hmm. um, because it's problem okay. solving. I like problem solving. You know, now I make my own problems, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, of course. Don't you know, we I come all. up with my own problems to solve. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think producing. I mean, I love writing, too, but I think, right. you know, I wouldn't call myself a writer, um, I would call myself more of a producer. I really enjoyed producing. 875 was really a, a fun project to do. Um, we shot it in London. That was back in uh, 1999. We shot it. It came out in 2000. Um, you know, I raised some money for it. I put together a crew here that we brought over there. We cast a couple of the roles there. Um, and uh, that was super fun. Um, and that was the very first, like, film-type thing that I produced and wrote. Uh, I've gotten so much better since then. Um, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, so uh, it was, it was, it was definitely a great thing to be part of, but um, 
you know, I've grown, I've grown over the last 15 years. I would hope. It's not uh, online. Can you catch it? It's not. Okay. No. In fact, I need to locate the original master digital beta oh. tapes and convert them. Like, okay. that's how it was back then, right? It was digital beta. Right, right. Because okay. that was too expensive sure. for our budget. Uh, so I've got to find them and convert them. Uh, and when when I do, I'd love to put it online. Um, that would be great. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great, yeah. Yeah, and the director of that actually had directed, yeah. Uh, The director of that was Shelley Lazar Lee. Uh, She's actually still a really good friend of mine. She uh, directed Mm -hmm. that project. I asked her to direct it because she had directed me in in a couple of commercials, and we remained friends. So, um, you know, I asked her to direct the project, and she's British, so we actually used her her aunt's house in, in England to shoot it, which was great. Um, okay. saved us a lot of money. It was actually cheaper to fly a bunch of people there and shoot it there than it would have been to shoot it here and find a location and actors. So that's why we shot it. Wow. Right there. So, yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> I heard that. Definitely. Yeah. Holy yeah. mackerel. Yeah. All right. Well, thank and you we for got explaining a, all of that. we got a trip to London. Yeah. 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 Oh, and that's even cooler <laughs> because I have yet to get there. So that's absolutely awesome. Oh, okay. I want to yeah. switch gears a little bit. Talk about something a little bit different. Um, I myself personally uh, navigate to New York City as almost a second home, just tons of friends, tons of great things there. And I know um, yeah. looking back in your past, educationally, um, two New York schools come to mind, State University of New York City and Fiorola LaGuardia High School. A couple questions yeah. there. Um, first, uh, have you done additional studies beyond that? And then second of all, talk to me a little bit about uh, your belief in this, because I hear this often. I'm a huge subscriber of this analogy, which is, Life experience is the best teacher. I realize, of course, that there's some accolades or some things that are derivative from having a formal education, but maybe speak to mm-hmm. that a little bit. And then the third thing, of course, being, of course, you act and, and participate as a mentor on an ongoing basis. And how has that kind of molded or changed your life? Okay, great. So let me start with the schools. <laughs> okay. um, so, yes, I went to Fiorello H. LaGuardia High School, uh, uh, High School of Music, Art, and the Performing Arts most commonly known as fame, right? That's the school that it's based on. Right. Performing arts and right. music and art combined into one high school back in the early 80s. Um, and I, and um, so that's where I went. I was a fine art major, so I was in graphic illustration and painting and sculpting and and, uh, and all of that. And most of my friends were actors and dancers. But what was really great about that, it actually just got voted number one high school in New York uh, like a couple of weeks ago. It's a public school. It's not a private school. It's a public school, which is incredible. And it's, even though it's focused on the arts, it had a very, um, very uh, highly regarded academic program. They had AP classes. They had, like, incredible academic program. And I was a decent student. I wasn't a great mm-hmm. student. I was a decent student. Um, and then I went to a New York State University in Oneonta, which is upstate New York, uh, which is surrounded by um, farms, and it was beautiful. Um, and, you know, I, was, I, I, start, I started studying photography. Well, I, I studied photography in college, but I started shooting when I was 17. Um, and I think, and I was a political science major with a minor in uh, journalism and fashion illustration, and I think for me, education was important because it gave me a foundation of how to learn and, you know, to help and to teach me how to think critically. Um, I'm a big advocate for education. I think education is very important. 
However, I think the best education anyone can have is life experience. I think, ah. you know, look, some of the most successful people that I know never went to college. So, you know, I think, I think becoming successful at something takes hard work, you know, right. um, and, I agree. and consistency and commitment, you know, and whether you have an education or not, you're going to learn while doing, look, when I first, when I start, when I founded my theater company, I didn't know what I was doing. I sure learned that uh, pretty quickly on what to do, <laughs> right? Uh, right. You know, uh, when, I, when I started my casting business, I'd never worked for a casting director before. I, but, you know, I'm like, you know what? I've been doing photography so long, and other photographers always ask me to cast stuff for them. I'm going to start a, right. you know, I'm, I have a friend who's in production uh, who's always doing ads, and she wants me to cast stuff. So I started a casting business. No idea how to do that. No idea. Uh, you know, I, actually, you know like, like, what do you do? Like, how do you do this? Uh, how do I tell people about me? How do I find clients to cast up? But, you know, I just said, screw it. I'm going to do it. And I did, you know. And then I, you know, just worked at it really hard and learned as I did it right. and learned and, and would ask questions of people who did stuff that, like this. Right? And, you know, um, I also, for a brief period of time, was the production manager of Backstage West. Backstage West at the time was the sister publication of Backstage, which was a New York publication. So, and when Backstage, it's an actor's newspaper. It's a trade paper for the acting industry. Um, I was the production manager for that. I had no idea how oh. to do any of that. But I, you know, went in for a job interview uh, and basically said, yeah, I know how to use Photoshop and Quark, and I, knew, I could lay out the newspaper. And at the time, I was working for the Hollywood Reporter as a temp. Uh, this is like 20 years ago. Uh, and, or maybe 15 oh. or 16. No, it was like more like 20. Okay. So it was a long time ago. It was when people, you know, it was when, okay. it was when newspapers were still doing paste-up ads. You know, oh my I, God. I went in. Right. And I went in and I uh, said, yeah, I know how to use all this software. So I showed them some photography and some other things. Nothing to do with layout or newspaper or publishing. And I got the job. And they said, you can start in two weeks. I said, great, because I have to leave my temp job. I need to, you know, give the place two weeks. And Hollywood Reporter at the time was owned by the same company as Backstage. So it was an easy transition. So for two weeks, I went out and I bought books, Photoshop for Dummies, Quark for Dummies. Uh, I, you know, got pirated versions of both softwares. I learned as much as I could in two weeks. I show up to this job having to be responsible for publishing the newspaper (laughs) see i've always lived my life by trial trial by fire right so you know and even starting this business you know i've never started my own you know internet e-commerce business before but i really believed in it so pimp my pooch was born and i said you know what i'm just going to do it because i have a passion for it and i think you know, there's a saying that I really try to, there's a couple of sayings I live my life by. Jump yes. and grow your wings on the way down. Right? Ah. So, you know, get, the edu- get as much education as you can, uh, you know. But if you don't know how to do something, the best way to learn is to just start doing it. Right. right. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. Jump and grow your wings on the way down. Two, it's an old uh, Hindi proverb. I don't know how to say it in Hindi. But it's if it works out, great. If not, even better. Now, why is that? Because if it works out, fantastic. And if not, I've gotten the education on everything that went wrong so I know what to do better next time. 
So that's okay. why I kind of don't believe in failure. Um, I believe you either succeed at what you're going to do or you get educated on how to do it better the next time. So either way, like it's a that. win. So for me, yes, I think education is important. But I'm, you know, the reason I was only an okay student was I, I didn't learn. I, I'm an autodidact. I learn best when I teach myself things. And that's not true of everybody. This is just true for me. So if I'm interested in learning about something, I'll go out and I'll learn about it. And then I learn about it, and I, and I know it really well because I had an interest in it. If I have to learn subjects where, I, I, like, my mind doesn't connect, like I'm terrible at math, I was never good at calculus because my brain doesn't work that way, right? I, I'm, I'm okay. right-brained, so I, mm-hmm. I, I think in, like, images and shapes and art and stuff like that. Uh, right. You know, so I was always bad at math. Uh, you know, English I was always good at. Because, you know, it's creative and I could paint with words, so to speak. So, and I was an artist too. So, you know, I think, you know, when people figure out the best methods to learn something for themselves, whether it's formal education, formal training, or learning on their own, I think people need to choose what's best for them. You know, typically, we're, you know, the structure is you go to school and now, look, I don't have kids yet, we're, although we'd like to have kids. Um, oh, you know, now from all the, you know, people I know who have kids, it's like you're setting your kid up to go to, like, the best college possible, like, in kindergarten. Like, that's how society is structured now. When I think, you know, people don't learn the same way. Some people are visual. Some people are auditory. Some people are, you know, learn by experience. I learn by experience. I learn visually. I don't learn auditorily, so I can't sit in a two-hour lecture, you know. And I, and I didn't. I cut a lot of classes because of that. Um, but you know, I learned visually, I learned experientially. So I had to teach myself how to learn the things I wanted. And then I had to teach the thing I had to learn the things I wanted. So I think everybody learns differently. So if your thing is education, I think it's important. It's also important for social life. It's also important to learn how to be, you know, to operate in the world. Um, you know, looking back on my experience, knowing, there's there's one thing that's important in education that you can't get anywhere else. If you if you do really well and you can write your own ticket to college, you know, go to any college you want. Go right. to a really good one. <laughs> because what you get because what you get from them that experience is the connections from when you graduate. So like I never went to film school, but you know, I directed eight or I produced eight seven five, I directed a music video, I, you know, I directed some other things. Um, but I don't, I didn't at the time have any connections in the film industry. Had I gone to USC or UCLA, I could have gone through the producing program. I could have, and I could have come out with connections. So at the very least, it's not necessarily the education that you get. It's the connections that you get when you leave a university. Now I'm sure I could have connections having graduated Oneonta. I just never used any of them except for Bill Pullman, you know, who's an actor. He was in Spaceballs and, right. and Ruthless right. People, really great comedic actor, which many people don't know. You know, I, you know, we were friends for a bit when I, you know, came out to LA, he took me under his wing because he spoke at my graduation. So, you oh. know, like, Oh, I want to be an actor. Right. So I'm going to, so, you know, so that was a connection, right. You know, but I think, you know, education right. is important for many different things. If not, for the connections you get, for the experiences you have, and for the social life, and to learn how to just be a human being in the world and to be on your own. Now, the actual learning, well, that's up to the person. If you don't learn well in an education environment, 
still, you know, if you can go to college, whether on scholarship or if you can afford it, or, you know, I think, you know, President Obama just made two-year um, community college free, right? So I think mm-hmm. that's tremendous. Um, I think if you have the opportunity to, or at least just take continuing education classes, I think it's important Correct. because I think it's important to be well-rounded also and have a view of the, it makes you have a more well-rounded view of the world, which makes you more tolerant right. of people, which is, you know, I don't know. That's a whole other thing, Sin. <laughs> oh, right. I know, right. You could go on for days on that one. Yeah. And then, so my, so I did go to, and then I, after Onyanta, I went to a two-year acting conservatory program called the New Actors Workshop in New York City, which was uh, founded by Mike Nichols. Obviously, most people know who he is, but for those of you who don't, he's an iconic director, one of the most of the 20th and of the century. Um, and um, there, and it was founded by George Morrison, who is a master teacher, and Paul Sills, who founded Second City, uh, whose mother was Viola Spolin, who is basically why we have improvisation of all forms today. So they were my three mentors. And then there was also at the school Rex Knowles and Sherry Landrum, who took over for Paul. Um, and uh, they were a huge influence on my life as well. And getting that education as an actor was important because I worked on my craft. And what was really incredible was a lot of the skills that I learned as an actor, I actually applied in my life. So that was an important part of my education was the life skills I learned, not just being in an acting conservatory and, and college, you know, teaching me those particular skills, but I carry through them, carry through with them throughout my life. So like the first rule of improv, for instance, when you're learning improv is always say yes. Well, that's kind of how I live my life. Because when you <laughs> say yes in life, you open yourself up to opportunity. It could be very right. exciting and very dangerous at the same time. But I think sure. it's worth it. So, you know, <laughs> and also when you're learning to act, you're learning to be emotionally honest. Well, guess what's important okay. in life? Being emotionally honest, right? Of course. <laughs> so yes. I think, you know, so I think I learned a lot of great life skills from all three of those masters. And, and actually all five of those masters, so I'm including Rex Knowles and Sherry Landrum right. as well in, in that set. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I understand. So, Perfectly. Well yeah. thought. I like that. I like your idea. Thanks. You're and, a smart man. Thanks. Thanks. And, you know, I, I, I think I'm always a student, you know, like I, I so I do, I do mentor people and, you know, I think the best way to learn anything is to teach what you need to learn. Right. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to teach somebody something, I've got to learn it even better because I need to be the best example of it. Right. Going back to project 330, that's the prime example of learning what I'm teaching. So with that blog, which is on my website, jordanansell.com slash project 330, that's a little shameless plug. Um, but when I mentor people, not only am I teaching them things, but I'm learning from them as well because they have their own ideas about how it should be done, or they have some idea that I may never thought of, which could improve what I'm teaching. But even more importantly, I'm so inspired by all my clients, whether it's a business client or a business that I'm consulting or a CEO or an actor or a writer, or um, I'm helping uh, a couple of people write their first books, you know, uh, on various subjects. And yeah, I'm so inspired because they all have compelling life stories as we all do. So, 
as a mentor, I'm so fulfilled by being able to work with these people because not only can I help shape their lives to, you know, giving them the tools and skills that they may not know business-wise or just, you know, um, how to, one, of the, one of the things I teach is, is how to brainstorm with yourself, right, because a lot of people can get blocked in terms of coming up with ideas for their business or for their book or for whatever. So I teach okay. a skill on how to brainstorm with yourself. And what's amazing is not only do I teach them that skill, but to see their process of brainstorming always inspires me because then I learn something new. So, you know, being a mentor is incredibly rewarding uh, and being a, a business coach is incredibly rewarding because I'm constantly learning myself. And, and, okay. and, you know, I, you know, if I'm going to, if I, if I'm consulting a business and, you know, they ask, you know, do you know anything about my business? You know, I say, well, first of all, all business basically is the same. You know, you're just presenting business in a different way. So then what I have to do is I have to immerse myself and learn about their particular branch of business. So one of my clients who I'm helping write a book, she's launching a skincare line and she's also uh, a famous actor. She was on Breaking Bad. Uh, um, and, um, you know, I'm so inspired because she's got such an incredible life story and I have to learn about skincare because I'm helping her write her book and her book is not about necessarily skincare, but that's what she's doing. Right. So, you know, I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly in school. So I love that. I'm constantly challenging myself. You know, I think the day we stop learning, is you know kind of sad. <laughs> the day you're dead. Well, that's the day you're dead. Yeah, pretty much, really. You know, it's kind of like well, it, yeah, life you know, is, a, is that. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. One of my business coaches, you know, has the saying, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. I always want to be growing. And you are growing and growing and growing and growing Thanks. with each paragraph Thanks. that we talk about here. Now I want to switch gears <laughs> and I want to tell people uh, nothing business relative about you. So I'm going to give them into, as I call it, intimate items regarding uh, Mr. Ansel. I want people to listen because I've actually creeped on your page, so I've learned a few things about you. Like, for instance, <laughs> I know that you're um, you're a fan of the San Francisco 49ers, which is awesome because Colin Kaepernick is hot and cute, and he has great tattoos, so that gives you, like, a knock-up in my book. Uh, you enjoy the musical stylings of Johnny Cash, who doesn't love Johnny Cash, but even more cooler, we are both similar in that. We both saw Fleetwood Mac, absolutely yeah, even if, I can't even. I can't even talk. I can't even talk. I mean, if Weren't I can interview her, oh my god! Right? Oh my god! They, they never age. They are that amazing. Woman is six, I know that woman is sixty-six years old. She looks incredible. Right. She sounds incredible. I know. Like the, know. the warmth that I mean, like the warmth that was uh-huh. exuded from the stage. Like they just and Big see game. that's a perfect example of how like you know they're not performing for themselves. They're performing for us. They have us, the Bingo. audience, and their fans in mind, and that's what makes them so incredible. Exactly. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I was so excited. So I've seen them, obviously, so we have that in common as well. I can also yeah. uh, mention that you are a fan of the movie Transcendence, which I absolutely love with Johnny Depp. Yes, we want him on the show. Yeah. Yes, I'd like to date him. General Hospital used to love that show because Rick Springfield. Oh, my God, my team crush. He was, <laughs> I was still around, so excited. I was a kid, too. Oh, my God. Oh my How God. cool is that, right? You, and he's you, still rocking like, 60. Yeah, man, it's awesome. <laughs> he's Dude awesome. is cool. I I also see that you're a fan of Sit, Stay, Ride, and I know you're going to tell me that you listened to my interview with him, Eric Risto. I interviewed I, him. I know. Not so long great. ago. Did it we listen great. to that show? Billy? We did. Did we listen we did. or are we bullshitting? 
Does that can sometimes We're bullshitting a little bit. <laughs> oh, we're no, bullshitting uh, a little bit to get voice. Damn, no, I, that's a I, great I didn't, show. I didn't listen to the whole thing. I, I, I listened to a couple of excerpts from the show. Okay. You know, I, I try to was tune they in. Okay? Like I, I, you were, you're always great. You're always great. Oh I've God, listened I'm to bits. Right now. So, preparing now. For, for, so, prepa- so preparing for this interview, I listened to, oh. you know, I listened to pieces of your show. Uh, various shows oh, only because I, I, you know, me. I, I wanted to know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> oh boy. Oh also, boy. You know, what did you get yourself like into? Like I then? said, if I'm going to be working with somebody, I need to know about them. Now, you know, right. uh, you know, I have, you know, look, I, I, I'm running like, you know, several businesses here. So do I have time to listen sure. to all the shows? No, but I can of listen course. to bits and pieces. So yeah. Sure. Of yeah. course. I figured that one just because you, you seem to like sit right. Eric's a great tour. He's a terrific guy. Hopefully Dana and I, and he will be, able to put something together because I want to do a live interview with him and we could do a screening of the film I could do a book signing it's very exciting so I'm yeah, hoping you know, we'll let it all we'll get that put together camera interview I think you should do a live on camera interview with him because all three of I you would have love that. personalities and you might, you might want to thank capture you. that on camera yeah. Thank you. In fact, Dana, when you're listening to this, write this down because she has nothing else to do, I know, because that woman just is like 180 miles an hour all the time. But I'm like, I was very excited to meet Eric. It was a great interview. Now, I wanted to mention your hobbies that I've notated so far. He roller skates. The fact that you play Galaga, oh, my God, you went immediately made a top ten. I'm like, he does Atari. I'm like, who doesn't do Atari? I love Atari. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, my when God. I, when I was, when I, was, I have a funny story about Galaga. Um, and music. <laughs> it's all the same story. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I grew up in New York City, in Manhattan. I was born and raised. But when I was a little kid, when I was um, seven years old, my mom had uh, bought a little house in Woodstock, New York, uh, with a little inheritance money um, that she had gotten. Um, and at the time, and it was a tiny house. I mean, you know, little time. And it was Woodstock in the 70s, so real estate wasn't you know, expensive like it is today. And when I was a little kid, we used to go up there on weekends and I would spend my summers there. And we lived, so there was our house and then a little tiny road. We lived at, on a dead end street. And then across from our house was a field. On the other side of the field, they opened this thing called the Pinball Palace. And it was just the first, the very first arcade I had ever experienced when I was like eight years old. And it was run by this guy named Brett, who was a young guy at the time. And they had pinball machines and they had video games, upright video games. And I fell in love with Galaga and I was there all the time. So much so I was the annoying little kid, like bugging all the teenagers. Right. So Brett, who owned the pinball palace, he used to say to try to get rid of me. He used to send me on errands. Kid, go get me an ice water and or a lemonade from the diner down the street. And I'll give you a couple of quarters to play video games. So basically, I like a job. But basically what I would do is I'd spend all those quarters on video games. I became, like, I used to, at the age of nine years old or ten years old, I can't remember. No, maybe it was 13. Yeah, I was 13 years old because that's when I, I discovered Galaga. And I used to rule that machine. I, I was able to flip that machine back to zero at 13 years old. And one time, and, and so, you know, I'd run out of quarters. And, you know, video game etiquette was if you ruled the machine – the person who is next up, it's like pool in a pool hall you put, or, or a bar. You put your quarters on, and you have to play the person. And if you beat the person, you then take over the machine, and the next person who wants to play has to play you, right? But nobody right. could beat me. So 
I used to literally lean against the machine waiting on people to come play me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. Really? I was, such a, I was not a badass when I was a kid. I was such a little punk. Okay. And so one oh time, I, I don't know if you remember this singer named Robbie Dupree. He had a hit song called Hot Rod Hearts, which my mom used to listen to. Mm. So I knew the song. And, I, and she had the album, so I knew what he looked like. Well, you know, Woodstock, the home of big recording artists, because that's where all the studios were, even though the festival was never there. That's where all the recording artists used to go record their music. Right. Robbie Dupree came in to play Galaga. And he's like, hey, kid, do you mind if I play that machine? And I looked at him like, I don't mind. you got to beat me to, play, to keep it, though. He's like, uh, okay. So literally, he must have spent like, I don't know, $5 and quarters trying to beat me at that game. Everybody okay. was like laughing their ass off. Like it was it, – it and I think – I don't think he ever came back to the pinball palace. <laughs> Sorry, Robbie, if you're out there. Uh, oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. Like, like I said, and it's unusual to see that, and I love that the flashback and the throwback stuff is coming back, which is absolutely awesome to see. The other thing I wanted yeah. to notate is you make whiskey barbecue sauce. Anybody who makes any kind of alcohol anything is, like, my best friend. Oh, my God. <laughs> is that, like, original? Like, you do your How own little you recipe thing? How out about that? Oh, my God. I don't publicize that at it's all. It's my job, honey. It's my job. Oh, my okay? God. Okay? This is why they come okay. to me. They make me find things. Okay. I, you know? Well, there you go. <laughs> this is crazy. How do you know this? Spill it. Spill like, it. You're like, okay. So, this is how it came about. <laughs> yes. You know, I work out of the home office. So I'm here a lot. And, uh, you know, one day, and, and one day I was just, I, I'm always super busy. <clears throat> but one day I'm just like, I just, I like had been forgetting to eat for like every, lunch for like a week. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm so hungry, but I'm craving barbecue. Now I could like, you know, go seven blocks and go to the barbecue place and wait online because it's like a hit place with the hipsters, right? And I'm not a hipster, okay. by the way. Um, so, <laughs> you know, um, I don't have enough beard beard growth or tattoos, um, but um, you know I'm like I'm I gotta have barbecue sauce. I gotta I got how do we how do fuck it I'm just gonna make can I say that I'm sorry can I, can <laughs> yes I, you can say fuck okay. it okay <laughs> uh, I, I, um, I'm like I'm just gonna make my own barbecue sauce. So literally I just made my own barbecue sauce like and I'm like I like whiskey barbecue sauce. I like you know like sort of Jack Daniel-y kind of flavors. So you know I have Jack Daniels on my bar so. You know, I pulled together some ingredients. I looked up barbecue sauces online, various ones to see ingredients. I chose the ones that were like what I thought all the flavor profiles would be best together because I'm a foodie, so I'm always like experimenting with stuff because I like to cook. Okay. So, I, you know, I had a bunch of ingredients in my fridge just because I had ingredients, and I whipped up a barbecue sauce that I personally fell in love with. And, you know, oh. I, like, texted my wife immediately, like, oh, my God, I'm starting a barbecue sauce company. <laughs> and she, she – my, my wife, as supportive as she is of not just my, my dreams and my plans, but all of my schemes as well, and I'm a schemer, uh -huh. she texted me back, you're, you're fucking nuts. <laughs> so I have not oh started a barbecue sauce company. It is on the list at some point in my life to do but you know so every once in a while i'll make this barbecue sauce uh you know uh only a few people have had it and really like it but you know i have no room on my plate for any new business like that at the time but yes i love barbecue uh so just experimenting and trying out recipes for barbecue sauce like really lights me up uh, and one day i'll ah. perfect it and maybe i'll bottle it and one day and you know i know somebody who has like a 
uh, a sauce company. So maybe I'll send it to him and okay. be like, hey, what do you think? Awesome. No, I don't know. And then you send it to Wisconsin <laughs> to the girl that busted you on air and said, "There you that go. I'll send you, I'll, I'll send you. Yeah, I'll send you some barbecue yeah. sauce. <laughs> I love you. You're wonderful. See, now oh that that be a lesson for you. You know never know when you get. It's what I do. This is the reason why people come and say, "Send you should have that guy or that girl on your show," because I want to be different. I think if I'm going to do something like this in a format like this. I owe it to you and myself to be different because then at some point yeah. somebody's going to say, you know, I like that girl because she's not your average Katie Couric or your average, you know, somebody on television that, that just, I want you to be well-rounded. And part of you is that yeah. part of you is what you do personally. Part of it is what you do professionally. Mm. So yes, yeah, so the score to me. Yes. You didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Yay! Well, look out people. Susan's got your number. She's really got your number. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So think about that. Oh my God! See, this is I'm why almost I take afraid it a of what else you know about me. <laughs> no, no. Now I'm scared again. Have, like, what else do you have? Oh, cut it out, Jordan. Have I been nice to you? Come on, we've been together 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's been good so far, and I only I have three amazing. more questions. So be happy. There mm-hmm. you go. So okay, we're going to turn a little bit, talk a little bit, because I know that you garnish uh, gifting to worthy endeavors. And uh, truth to the said theories, of course, your current choices. I know you sit on the board of both. Uh, Game Nation Incorporated, I should say, and Fresh Charities Incorporated as well. Additionally, yeah. you know, your presence was planted at the Rescue Trains Race for the Rescues. So, yes. um, I know that you have this burning belief in, of course, rescuing of our dogs. And, of course, I also know that you have a very handsome pup named Chauncey because I've seen – Chauncey has been on your page. I've seen that dog all over the place. Yeah. So I've got a couple questions. Yeah, he's a sweet boy. He has his own Facebook page, yeah. by the way, if you want to friend him. Oh, my God, he's really? He's got, like, 800 friends. Yeah, <gasps> Chauncey loves to put it on that list. And yeah, he's got his own face. He hasn't been he hasn't been on social media a lot lately because he's working on his talk show uh, ideas. Really? Does but, he have um, a hard time coming up with ideas? <laughs> yeah, I could give him a few ideas. Let me say this much. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. But I'll go uh, ahead yeah, he's friend. got his own. He's got like close to eight hundred friends on that page. I'm, I don't know most of those people. I don't know how they find my dog. It's hilarious. Uh, see that um, when you know a lot of times, obviously. <laughs> Uh, again, and, I, and I've said this before, you know, you go on someone's personal page, you learn a lot. And I know that, of course, public figures, quote, unquote, you're supposed to have a professional page and your page. And it's just like, you know what, that, you know, that's the first place I went to to creep on you was your page because yeah. you're more naked there, literally, in a sense, yeah. naked there, more so than you're going to be in any other form as far as that goes. Um, now, I want to sure. mention, of course, we take it a step further that Jordan obviously jumped to help is caused by creating Pimp My Pooch. Now, to those that don't know, yes. Pimp My Pooch is an actual website which posts daily money-saving deals for dogs. And there's also added incentives for those who actually purchase and share the offers, I should say, because they're offered products for free in return. So I have a couple different questions here. Um, Now, is it Jordan himself? Do you actually both research and then decide what you're going to post every day, or do you have a crew of people that does that with you? Are you talking about in terms of the products or our social media stuff? Yes. yes. As far as all of that, you know, as as it's relative to my pooch, everything. Got it. Sure. Okay. So, um, Pimp My Pooch, and if you want the URL, it's pimpmypooch.com. Um, it's, uh, so I curate all the products that are on the site personally. So like okay. I went to Super Zoo, which was one of the largest pet trade shows in the country. It happens in Vegas every summer. I went to the last one, which is where I met Dana. Um, now I've been introduced yeah. online to Dana before, but I met Dana there. And, you know, I went and I met all the vendors and I, you know, handpicked the products that we want because they have to meet certain requirements, especially for the food items. All the food items have to be all natural and they have to be made here in the States. Um, And then all the other items, 
just have to be really useful, really cool, and, and of really excellent quality. So, you know, like no crap products on the site. Um, so I curate okay. all the products, uh, and um, we launched November 1st, but I just want to say that it's a, it was a soft launch so that we can beta test right. the format, the platform, see what people like, get feedback. We're doing an actual hard launch in a couple of months. Um, we're still trying to decide on a date, but it's not just going to be products where people can save money on. And it's, it's products that everybody you know, uses for their dogs. It's treats, it's dog beds, it's bowls, leashes, handcrafted leather collars, and everything is discounted uh, because you know, it's like Groupon, but only awesome dog stuff. And a portion of our profits go to save dogs, which is why I started the company, right? So it's right, not just right. going to be products. It's going to be local services too. So if you bring your dog to the groomer, we're going to have deals in local cities, deals on groomers, doggy daycare, uh, veterinarians. So you get to save money on everything for your dog because, look, stuff is expensive. You know, I'm a dog parent. I know how expensive this stuff is. Uh, you know, I know people's pain. We want to pamper. We want to pimp our pooches. But it gets really costly. So maybe they can't have the best dog bed. Well, maybe if it's offered at 25% off with free shipping, you can. And then your dog right. is more comfortable. Now, our dog sleeps in our bed at night, but during the day, he's got like a dog, a, basically a bed in every room in the house, right? Because he's older too. He's 17. He, he needs to be able to be comfortable. Um, so, you know, people who want the best supplements for their dogs. You know, we've got this incredible supplement called Bonio, which is, um, which, you know, which I met uh, – uh, not at um, Super Zoo, but at another mm -hmm. event. Bonio is like a bone supplement, but it was created by one of the most prominent osteoporosis doctors for humans. He, he created the supplement okay. for dogs. And, and, and it's phenomenal. And we sell it on our site from time to time, cheaper than you can get it anywhere else. And they still make sure. their money too. And, and a portion of profits go to save dogs. So look, you know, I'm trying to use commerce as a way to not only make money, but to be good and do good in the world, which I believe every company should. And every company mm -hmm. that I consult has to do that as well. So I have standards for the companies that I consult and for the, and for the boards that, of companies that I sit on. And if they don't and they want me, then I make them, <laughs> right? I make them ah, in the world. I make them a lot. Gotcha. I make them align with the cause, you know, that okay. also – is 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 right for their brand and that they actually believe in right because if you believe in something you're going to support it so you know every every kind of company that i either work for or have done has to be from a purpose driven um, place. It can't be just, oh, well, we're a company. We just want to increase profitability and, you know, you know, answer to our shareholders. You know, yes, companies have right. to do that. But right. if you come at it from a purpose-driven place, then you're actually doing good in the world. Look, the pet industry is a $60 billion a year industry. You know, wow. about half of that money is spent on dogs, right? Wow. So if we're making that much money, now we're not making that at Pimp My Pooch. We do, we're a startup. <laughs> Just FYI. We'd like to, but we're, we're a long way off from that. We're a startup company. I hear you. So, okay. but, you know, but if, if that type of industry makes so much money, then we can certainly give back to the community that we're making the money off of, which is the dogs, right? So, right. And, and the dog parents. 
we're helping people save money. We're improving the quality of lives for dogs by offering the best products and services at a discount that people can afford because people need to, you know, look, money is tight for everybody, right? We need to help people out. And in the process, we're donating to charities that support saving dogs' lives. Right. So I think I exactly we can thing. use commerce. So if we're going to buy a product from somebody, if that, if that purchase can help save a life, even if, even if it's like a company that helps save human lives, obviously that's important too. Like I'd much rather give my money to a company, maybe even pay a little more for it if I know a profit, if some of the profit is going to go to save a life or improve right. something. You know, the big, the big issues that, I, that, I, um, that are close to my heart, yes, dogs, right? But yes. it's education for, for, for humans and, and children especially. Children's right. education, teen education, um, and health, you know, because okay. I've had my share of health problems in my life, you know. Um, okay. And, you know, so I, I know what it's like to, you know, go through health scares and be okay. And, you know, I want to help create healthy, educated people who are inspired to live their best lives. That's my purpose in life, right? So every right. company that I'm involved with has to do that in some way. Um, you know, uh, Pimp My Pooch helps save lives. We also help educate people on dog care. Uh, we offer the best products for that. Game Nation, you know, that's all about family ed- entertainment, you know, being entertained with your family, creating closer family bonds, you know, again, having that love and support and, you know, being able to give back to those communities, those family communities of education and things like that, right? Um, um, Standing Standing O Project is another company that I consult, O meaning Ovation, right? It's a, it's a website. It's a music service that actually pays musicians more money. So it helps get musicians' art and creativity out into the world, right? Because, you know, if you're on Pandora or Spotify, which are great services, right. they don't pay musicians very much. Standing O Project pays musicians 50% of everything. So that's huge for musicians. So it's got it's to add – so any company that I consult or work with or start has to add positive value to the world, to the community that it's serving, Um FreshCharities.com, for instance, it's basically a uh, social media site It's a, for charities. It, it puts charities together with people who want to be philanthropic because often we want to be philanthropic, but there's just so much to choose mm-hmm. from. It's, this, it's, a right. social, it's social media for social change. And that's an incredible organization. And, you know, um, one of the founders just got back from the Philippines to, to talk to people over there about it. And they're going nuts about it. It's, it's becoming really huge and really popular. And, and that's a for-profit company that is helping all kinds of charities. And what's really great about Fresh Charities is it takes lesser-known charities that are doing good in the world because they don't have marketing budgets. They don't have staff. They don't have, you know, um, enough hands to get. So they're help spreading the word about these charities because you can donate your money or your time to help, right? That's the best way to help a charity. If you can't donate money, you help them out. So Fresh Charities finds those people with the right charity for them and matches them up. So if you haven't been on Fresh Charities, go check out freshcharities.com. It's an incredible organization. If you're a charity and you need more exposure, check out freshcharities.com. Um, you know, it's it's a really wonderful company. Um, you know, uh, I think 
uh, you know, having, having chosen this purpose for myself, because I, I, I believe that people don't find their purpose in life. I believe right. you have to choose your purpose in life. You know, just like people don't find happiness in life, you have to choose to be happy. Now, this is just my opinion. It works for me. Okay. <laughs> right. okay. That's but all right. I, you know, if you, choo- if you choose to be happy, no matter what life throws at you, you know, look, life is difficult and hard and sometimes it sucks. And at the same time, it's amazing every day, right? Because there's always opportunity right. that we can create for ourselves. There's always the sun. There's always, you know, people that we can surround ourselves with that make us, you know, feel better. Um, if we're down, I think if you choose, if you, you know, going through health problems, you know, choosing to surround yourself with positive people and doing things that are healthy will help you feel better. So you have right. to choose to be happy. And in that same vein, you have to choose your purpose. And what the nice thing about choosing a purpose, like wanting to, you know, inspire people to live their best lives is that gets translated through all the companies that, I've either started or worked with, or even as an artist, right? The inspiration for the book behind the lines was to inspire actors to be more empowered, to have more successful careers. The purpose for pimpmypooch.com is to inspire people to be able, you know, to, to inspire people to get the best stuff for their dogs by making it affordable to them and also saving dogs' lives, you know. So there's like a through line with everything I do, which comes from my purpose. And I think, you know, people go through life not knowing what their purpose is, but we don't really introspect on what we want in life and what we want to contribute to the world. You know, and I think when you say the problem with L.A. or when I say the problem with L.A. in general, and this is a broad generalization, is that people are self-centered and self-absorbed. It's because, yeah, we're not thinking of, you know, what are we contributing to the world? It's what are we getting? What can we get from it, right? Which goes to my earlier right. comment, a better question to ask in life, in relationships, in business, is not what am I getting? It's what am I giving? You know, you look at the exactly. collapse of the economy of 2008, you know, when when the banks were pillaging the public <laughs> and the housing collapse happened because they knew they were selling bad loans and bad mortgages. That, that was people at the top going, what more can I suck out of this company and this society? Now, imagine if a company went into business going, what more can I give to people? You're still going to be successful. You're going to be more successful because when you set people up to be successful, you and then in return are going to be successful. This is a team effort. We're all in this together. I really believe that. Of course. You know, so, I agree. Uh, I agree. You know, I think – and and that's what I teach in my business coachings. That's what I teach in my personal life coaching. That's how I operate all my businesses. And that's how I, and that's how I operate all my relationships. What more can I give? So I like, that. I think if I everybody came like that. from that place, yeah, I think that if everybody came from a place of what more can I give to the world rather than what more can I take from it, you know, there'd right. be a lot more, you know, look, I, I, I'm the son of a hippie and a businessman. So, you know, <laughs> I want perfect combination. So I want peace and love, you know, I want world peace and love, and it's okay to make money teaching that. <laughs> exactly. I understand. But, but I really I want those I things. Do. But I really want those things. So, I don't uh, know. I understand I, exactly. Yeah, and again, you know, to go back to Project 330, 
it's to be the example of that as well, not only in my business life, but in, in my personal life, in my, you know, to show people how I operate in my relationships, how I treat myself physically and how I operate my businesses. Cause they all come from that place of wanting to contribute more rather than suck more out. <laughs> exactly. No, I understand. All right. We're down to the final two questions. Now, um, one thing I wanted to make sure to mention, I think it's kind of ironic and I heard this side of the grapevine and I won't tell you from where I heard it or how Jordan, of course, at one time had been shooting commercials. Some of the examples being GNC budget and a express. Um, mm-hmm. I heard that you may merge back towards that particular business. I was just curious if that's true. And if so, if there's a special reason for that. Well, you know, I, um, look, I love, I love the entertainment industry. I do, you know, the stigma on it. I think there's some amazing things about it. And I, and everybody, 98% of the people that I've worked with have been absolutely spectacular, wonderful human beings. You know, and you know, was an actor for many years. I love actors. I wrote a book for them to help them be more professional and more inspired and more successful. And I teach that to them. I love giving back to that community and I love being in it too. So, you know, I'm not necessarily pursuing being an actor, but you know, my wife is the vice president of an agency and you know, uh, you know, her commercial department, they'll say, Hey, you know, we've got an audition. You write for it. Do you want to go on it? if I'm not working on something else, if I have time and it doesn't detract from my focus, yeah, I'll go on it. If I book it, great. If I don't, that's okay Mm -hmm. too. I've got other things going on. Okay. And you know, uh, so like, uh, last year I did actually a national campaign for GNC, uh, because I happen to have a free afternoon. I happen to go on the commercial, you know, and audition and you know what? I happen to book it, you know, (laughs) awesome. Uh, The year before that I did three voices on an animated feature film, called Champions of Oz, and that's going to be released on DVD. Uh, I'm not sure what year they're still illustrating it. So, you know, I don't pursue it, but if it comes up and I have time to do it, great. Now, you know, that said, you know, I I have written some screenplays. (laughs) Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I do that creatively. Um, I am, I, I'm, because I've been doing business stuff for so long, um, you know, uh, and really immersed myself in it, I have found that I need to express myself more creatively lately, which is another reason for this blog. So I've gone back to doing, right. you know, pencil sketches and, you know, I've gone back to doing a little creative writing and I'm writing this blog. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if a screenplay comes out of it, great. If not, that's fine too. You know, um, I'm talking, a good friend of mine is Brittany Underwood. She is a TV star. You know, she was on Hollywood Heights. She was on One Life to Live. She's been done a bunch of TV movies. She's also a big recording artist. Um, you know, she, you know, she and I are good friends. She did our Indiegogo campaign video with Kristen Alderson in the hospital. Well, Brittany and I are talking about maybe we'll produce a project or a web series or something, you know, but this is all just ideas, right? I mean, nothing's concrete. I've got plenty on my plate right now. In my pooch, Cause that's my primary right now making this business really successful. You know, I still have my coaching cause I, I really am fulfilled by that. And I, I like helping people. Sure. So those are my two big priorities or pit my pooch number one and my, um, my coaching programs for people who need help. Gotcha. No, I don't want to forget this. Cool. But I'm not necessarily. Yeah. Opposed to it. I get it. Okay. No, I don't want to forget to do this. I just want you to listen in and I want to make sure I didn't forget anything here. Um, and this is all the ways to find Jordan, your websites being www.jordanansel.com, uh, 
Pooch.com. Yeah, you like that. Killerphotography.com. You are on Twitter, two different places, which is at Jordan Ansel and, of course, at, and that's killer-photos. Um, you have a, pr- a Facebook page that's your personal page along with the Pimp My Pooch Facebook page, along with the Killer yeah. Photography Facebook page. Um, yeah. What am I missing? Yeah, so, uh, oh, that reminds me. <laughs> so you yeah. have, do I have a team of people? So I do have a social media person. She's the VP of social media. Her name is Joan Peltzer. She handles the social media okay. for Pimp My Pooch. So all the wonderful okay. posts you see on Twitter and Facebook for Pimp My Pooch, that's Joan. Shout out to Joan. She okay. introduced me to Dana. So thank you for the introduction, oh, nice. Dana, Joan. Okay. So, but yeah, so we have, um, so I have a personal page for Facebook, but that's really and for close acquaintances, I do have a, mm-hmm. uh, um, a my my Jordan Ansel page, which is the one where you like it rather than become friends with it, right? That's where okay. I send everybody to you know engage okay. with me if I don't if I don't know you and want to engage with me. Um, and yes, okay. um, we have Pimp My Pooch Facebook uh, and Twitter account, which is at Real Pimp My Pooch. Um, we also have Instagram. I'm on Instagram as well, which is yeah. uh, at Jordan, Jordan Darren, D-A-R-I-N. And I just uh, take, you know, random photos and stuff. I'm on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. I'm on all the social media. If you just Google me, you'll okay. find me. I mean, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to make sure we didn't miss anything as far as that goes. Now, I have one more question. There's only two things we have left to do. I have one more question, and then afterwards I'm going to tell you it's a ritual on my show. If you've listened to my show, mm-hmm. you know at the end of the show I tell you what I think of you. So you get to this yeah, before oh, God. hearing what I have to say. Yeah, I would be nervous. Yeah. But first, I have one last question, which, of course, to me, is just a question of intrigue, and I'm sure that listeners would want to hear your, just your input on this. As I understand it, at some given point in time, you were blessed and very fortunate to work with the infamous Robin Williams. And obviously, of course, that was one of a very sad death for myself, obviously, because um, I'm a yeah. long-time sufferer of, of depression and things like that. And so I was just curious, yeah. um, you know, some have said we've worked with them and have said, you know, there's that underlying sadness. And there were some people that were like, oh, you'd never know that. So I just wanted to get your take on that. Yeah, you know, um, so I, I worked with him briefly on The Birdcage, um, which was directed by Mike Nichols, and that's how I came to be right. on that film. Um, okay. And, you know, I didn't, um, you know, I was just able to talk to him a little bit, and he was so warm and and just like a lo- like you, you know when you meet somebody and you, and, and you go, God, you're just such a lovely human being. Like that's what yeah. I thought about him. He he was very soft spoken. Um, kind of introverted. And and the first time I had engaged with him on set, I didn't know if it was because he was in character, he was thinking about, you know, what his scene was mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. But then I realized, oh, that's just him because I, I was able to observe him throughout the day and, you know, he's a very, you know, sure. very privately held person, but very approachable at the same time. And, and, you know, the first time I approached him on set, you know, I was really nervous, you know, I mean, I was like 20 something and I'd grown up watching him. He's one of my idols and still is. And, you know, I said, uh, I'm sorry. I, um, you know, I just, you know, I just wanted to tell you just how much I admire you. I, I grew up loving you. I still do. I always will. I hear that all the time. He goes, actually, I, I, I don't. And I really appreciate you saying that. And he shook my hand. And he patted me on the shoulder. And he's like, you know, I hope you're having a good time on the project. And I said, yeah, you know, this was an amazing experience. And, you know, we had a few interactions like that. And, 
Nice. You know, then he'd, you know, do something and he'd crack a bunch of people up and be really funny. And, you know, because uh, that's who he was. And he was just a really, you know, I could not tell necessarily if he was, you know, suffering from any kind of depression. I just thought he was introverted and he compensated by being this gregarious person at times, you know. So, you know, so it was it, I never really got that from him. But having heard everything about him over the years and um, uh, that he would even talk about on, you know, in interviews at certain points. And then obviously this tragic um, uh, suicide. Uh, I can see, I can now see it in hindsight. I can now see it in hindsight. So, um, you know, uh, but I'm just so grateful to have met him, to have worked with him uh, and to have just gotten a moment with one of my idols and, um, Oh. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was really, you know, again, I, I feel like, you know, I'm a very fortunate individual having met so many incredible people in my life, um, you know, famous or not, <laughs> you know. Of course, so, definitely. No, yeah. I understand completely. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. All right, we're now at that yeah. moment. Now you have to, you actually get to rest now and you get to listen to me. Because I'm going to tell you what I think of Jordan now. You've had this wonderful opportunity. Hopefully I've done you justice. So, these are my overall impressions, and I tend to, to want to do this at the end of the show because I think to people who are first meeting you now and they've had this glimpse of you in you know, a little less than two hours or whatever, they get to learn about, you know, they've hopefully gotten an introspective, you know, the personal side, the professional side of things. I myself as the host, I get to formulate my impression on a couple of different things. First of all, I go behind your back. Um, <coughs> Excuse me, I ask people about you. I do my research and you like can see I do my homework right? very well. I swear to God, you could be like a private investigator or Thank something. Thank you. Well, what you do you think like... journalists do, right? I mean, what do they do? It's very rare. No one ever no one ever creeps on me, which I find unusual because I'm like, oh, my God, for all this time that I go and I creep on people and such, um, I'm very public. So, I mean, you could find out lots of things about me, but I'm very transparent. You know, there's always yeah, this yeah. curiosity I have of, of digging things out. So the impression I'm about to give you now is just on the basis of what I've learned by researching, what, what I've now learned by listening to you on my radio show, what I've seen on your Facebook page, and just my overall impressions. So to me, listen, this is Jordan Ansel, and whatever you do, do not cry. I swear, every guest comes on this damn show, and they say, <laughs> you know, she made me cry. I made Ed Roman cry like three times yesterday. I'm like, really, people? Let's perk oh it up. God. This is, so prepare yourself. I hope you're, you're just sitting down. <gasps> Uh, <laughs> well, you should be. Okay, so these are my impressions okay. of Jordan. This, this I'll tell you first and foremost. Um, obviously, this is the second time in a row this week that I've done a radio show where I've found myself to be not only bewildered but also very nervous and frazzled in a good way. And I say that because most of the time, the higher up the ante, so to speak, proverbially, as it relates to business and as it relates to charity and on a personal side of things, when you have those three in line and in line so perfectly and so well and so established as someone as Jordan does, it's overwhelming to me. First of all, I'm very proud and impressed by the fact that I'm getting to know somebody who is part hippie and part business. And you reflect that so much more than I think you realize that you do. You're parallel <laughs> on both sides of the fence. I'm not done. You're parallel on both sides of the equation, which is wonderful. Your love, and, I, and when I say love, I mean I feel that you actually love in every part of, of your life. I can feel how much you love your wife. I can feel how much you love your business, your acting, your blooming and blossoming, young minds, old minds, all minds alike, as it relates to your products and as it relates to your beliefs. 
I find you to be extraordinarily humble. And I said that yesterday about Ed, too. I'm always bewildered and baffled by the amount of humility somebody can possess when they are so accomplished and over-accomplished and over-talented and over-intelligent. You are respectful and wonderful and engaging, and you know what you want to say and how you want to say it. And to me, I find that very impressive. My hope when I come to L.A. is that in meeting all the freaks that I know, and I mean that in the most loving fashion, I hope to be able to put Jordan on my list of lovely professional freaks that I would love to meet face-to-face, if nothing else, because I can get whiskey barbecue sauce, because I can watch (laughs) Transcendence with him, and because I can hang and feel okay, even if I have a little too much weight, or I'm not perfect, or I'm not this, or I'm not that, because you're so accepting and so lovely and so wonderful, and, and it's been my true delight. And I do hope that you consider over time becoming my actual real friend because I would just love to know you, the guy behind the pooch. Oh, absolutely, Cindy. This is, oh, my God, it's amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, my God, don't oh, cry. Don't please. do it. Don't be a oh, smart aleck. Stop it. Oh, I'm going to try, try not to do that. <laughs> oh, okay, smarty pants. Uh, no, I do hope that it's been so... great. I do. Oh, this has been wonderful. I mean Thank you. I mean, I, I, I'm I honored to, to be on the show and to, and to know you, you and to be friends with you on Facebook. Thank I you. do look forward to meeting with Jason. And, yeah, Thank if you're you. ever in L.A., of course, hit me up. Come over to our house for dinner. You know, that would be lovely. We I mean, we're just, Absolutely. yeah. I, mean, I would um, love that. Thank and you I would so love much. to see. Yeah. Oh, of course. And, and certainly what will happen is, of course, once I end this interview shortly, I'm going to go ahead and, and in the next 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to post up all of your information where everybody can find you online as well as my impressions of you, so this way it's all over the map. Oh, let your fans and followers you. know in about an hour, I think it takes about an hour, hour and a half, this becomes an archived episode. So just because people haven't listened, and I'll put this link on your page as well, just because they haven't listened oh, doesn't mean you. that they can't re-listen all year round. Um, definitely so. Oh. And, and please, please don't be a stranger, because I keep my friends very close for a reason. And anytime you want to come back out and bullshit for two hours, feel free. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> oh, I'll find you Thank you so about much, Jordan. <laughs> oh yes, not a problem at all. I'm now that I've taken wild stories. <laughs> oh my God, really? And it's going to be like, wait, I researched that broad and I found this out. So there you go, honey. Touche back to you, right? And what can I say? It's been, it has been truly, truly wonderful. And look forward to all my stuff. Look for my postings, all that good stuff. I'll let your fans and followers know. I will. Know. I'll let you, you get back I to your Friday. Listen. Thank you. Yay. Awesome. Thank, thank you so you, much. You. I'm so grateful and honored for being on your show. Thank and, you know, you. I'm going to encourage everybody I know to just listen to not just mine, but all, all your shows. Um, you're you very know, sweet. So, thank you uh, so you're, much. You're really wonderful. You're such a gracious host. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, my God. Anytime, my dear. And my best to your wife. I look forward to meeting her. You have yourself a wonderful weekend. And, uh, like I said, look for my stuff shortly. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. All right, sweetheart. Take care. Take care. Bye. Okay, kids, that was Jordan Ansel's interview. Thank you so much, first and foremost, to Jordan for taking the additional time because typically I know we usually have about an hour-plus interview or so, so it was absolutely fascinating to learn about the man behind the mogul, so to speak. Um, Although I started this interview saying this, once again, oh, my God, Dana Humphrey, you bring me the best constantly over and over and over again, and that's probably because you are the best. I miss you very much. And come to New York at the end of this month instead of now, so be excited and looking forward to that and seeing your beautiful face. Leaving you with one final note. I'm not 100% positive. When I jump off of my show, I'm going to be approaching all the SOA admins. So watch my pages to see. We might be doing 
uh, Sun Spotlight show on Sunday, which is getting all the SOA admins together with a few surprise guests and talking about Sons of Anarchy, the groups, how they affect society, how they affect culture, community, and lastly, of course, talking about the finality in the show itself. So like I said, keep track of all my pages. Thanks so much for listening, and hopefully we'll see you guys on Sunday.